0: Hey, folks. Ben Shapiro here. Don't miss our latest episode of Daily Wire Backstage. Join me, Jeremy Boring, Andrew Clavin, Michael Moles, Candace Owens, and Matt Walsh, as we discuss everything from marriage to Taylor Swift. Yes, there were some Swifties on last night's show. Take a listen.
1: Welcome to the Daily Wire Backstage. I'm Jeremy Boring, joined by Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh, Andrew Claven, and Candace Owens. I'm your host. You may not remember me. I've been gone <laughs> many, many. It's actually been one year, I think, since the last time uh, that I got to do a backstage. In my absence, they tried it a few times with the God Prince, Michael Knowles. You can't, you can't keep that. He's your son. <laughs> it's. I regret saying it. Uh, it but didn't go law. well, so they just canceled the whole damn thing. Uh, in, until I got to come back. We're going to do things a little bit different, and by a little bit different, I mean kind of the way we used to do them. I think when the show first got, got started, it was a really special part of what we did uh, at the Daily Wire. Part of what made the Daily Wire unique was that we could have these conversations once a month, and they would cover whatever was on our minds. Sometimes it was political, sometimes it was philosophical. Sometimes we agreed, sometimes we disagreed. And and as the show grew, as the company grew, the show became more uh, a little bit more. I was a DJ, and we were doing news. But you guys talk about the news every day. I'm not saying we won't talk about the news, only that I want the the occasion of us all coming together to maybe be something a little bit more befitting uh, uh, that that occasion and have a little bit more of a long-form feel to it. And so hopefully this will be a little bit more like uh, the backstages of your when Andrew Clavin was... Well, already very, very old. <laughs> it
2: was just me and Ben yelling at each other. As I, remember.
1: Yeah, I remember those days. What's changed? It was great. Yeah, actually, the very first ones you guys agreed all the time, and then came the election of 2016, <laughs> and that's probably why we turned it into a new show, <laughs> which we're redoing now. By the way, the election <laughs> that's right. of 2016. Yes, we're just back in 2016. It's like being in hell. You know, just keep coming back again. <laughs> it's the Hotel California of election <laughs> yeah, cycles. That's good. We are going to take questions from our Daily Wire Plus members. You can submit your questions and have them answered live on the air uh, toward the end of the show. Also, something we're doing a little bit different, instead of doing members block, we're going to keep the show live for everyone, but we're going to hear exclusively from our Daily Wire Plus members. And, you know, a lot's happened since I was gone. Obviously, my little daughter uh, started using the potty. Uh, (laughs) Drew went to a a once-a-week show. Michael launched a cigar brand. It smells delicious. Matt, well, just continued to devolve into uh, paranoid insanity <laughs> about extraterrestrials <laughs> occupying the earth. Um, Candace had a kid. Like, lots of things have changed. Ben, ben never changes. He's just Ben. Well, I mean, uh, I am the number one rapper in America. I was
0: going out of my way not to I say I know you were. <laughs> I, I was going to let that just lie. Dr. Dreidel <laughs> sitting right next <laughs> to me. It, it's, it's over. Nice. The magic is over, guys. Well. I, I am retired from my chosen Today, part. today,
1: Billboard put out that it was the number one rap. Uh, the number one selling rap song. And of, R&B. Of yeah, who, to, and to R&B. Bill, to Billboard number
0: one. Billboard number because one. Because that is my chosen. And that number I, 16. That i loved all my life.
1: And number 16 on the Hot 100. I think legitimately you owe as much to Tim Pool as. Oh, uh, for sure. As to Tom McDonald. I mean, it's been.
0: It's well, been to be fair to Tom. I mean, Tom put the whole thing together. <laughs> but it's been Pool's dream oh, from yeah. day
1: one to see anyone on the right chart. And I feel like he he had his best week, even though it wasn't his song. I had my worst week because Tim tried this. Uh, a month ago, with "Smoky yeah. Mike and the God King"
0: song, and we did not chart <laughs> yet. Yet, well, I mean, that's because you guys played actual music, whereas I talked into <laughs> a camera briefly. Yeah, and yeah, it's that's a Yamaka a homie, no cap. It's a great line,
3: and the you live with your parents. I make stacks on compound. Okay, cream. so
0: so here's the reality behind this particular story. The, the compound interest line, I absolutely insisted on being in, in the it's song. Great. I, I said, it's I'm not going to even be in this unless I yeah. get to drop compound. Uh, originally, my original lyric had EBITDA in there as well. <laughs> and, they, 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 they were, and Tom was like, no, it's too much. The, 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 uh, did you write your section? I mean, it's, is that uh, your it's, content? It's, it's a collab. Ah. It's a collab. <laughs> so uh, I, did, I did write the compound interest line. Uh, the uh, dog it's a Yamaka homie, no cap was Tom. Really? Yes. That's uh, a, a, a good line. So That's a great up, line.
2: Who came up with Doctor Dreidel? Because I thought that was so funny. I texted you to say how funny it was. Walked out of my office and fell down a flight of stairs. Absolutely, <laughs> true. I did. You, bar- you <laughs> barely survived. I yeah. barely survived. Yeah, I was. I was. That's can't actually, take this man. No. Uh, you know, if you if you want to know what I looked like falling down a flight of stairs, true. Go on YouTube and type in "fell down a flight of stairs to his death." and an animation will come up showing exactly what I look like. But that was right after I texted you how funny I thought
0: that oh, was. I mean, there were a bunch of them, right? I mean, there was yeah, Jus- Chris, 2 Live Was Jus- Dr. 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 Yeah, no, terrible biased, quality
3: yeah. memes? It, it might have been. been, yeah, yeah, the, it,
0: was, it was not original to me. Jupac it was, it was, was good. I mean, it was going around. Uh,
3: the that's one I take credit for was Mashug Knight, which I felt was... <laughs> that's, 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 pretty pretty good, that's pretty good, That's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, it it played a little softer, but there were a lot. I will say you you stayed on beat.
0: <laughs> pretty well so i was impressed you were it to so me. i mean to, to be so there was no melody there's a beat there's a melody i just wasn't part of the melody that was part of what tom was doing but i mean this is what my parents paid for 15 years <laughs> of classical music training for was that <laughs> i wouldn't clap it, on one and three that's so pretty proud, much it yeah. and that was my entire <laughs> shtick was can i can i talk to a beat and the answer is yes because i can bow to yeah. a beat
3: slower than you talk in real life
4: much slower can, yeah. I, yeah. can I suggest something what I I think the next challenge, what I would love to see, is play classical music and make that chart, and, and I'm serious about
0: it. I, I mm. so I would love to do that. I would love to do that. I need. Are I need there to classical that. music charts? So, there are, and no, so my this actually would be super easy to turn. Make the
4: classical a classical music, music piece
0: the number one Billboard. No, you oh. make a classical music piece. <laughs> <laughs> on banjo. I, I do not. Uh, it's how to time play. for a collab, Matt. Br- yeah. Bring out the banjo. We'll do country. Mm-hmm. We'll do bluegrass. I I, I I think it could happen. I, think it could work.
1: I wrote a song with my best friend about this girl who we were both in love with in college uh, called The Queen of 2D Town. And the whole chorus has a very esoteric steely Dan line about clapping on one and three and no human on earth other than you would appreciate it.
0: Well, I, thank you for telling me. About I'm going to fi- find it. Yeah, I'm going to find <laughs> it.
1: Send it to
0: you. I don't know. It's I pretended I know what that means, but I don't. So. There are, they, typically in four or four time, there are four beats to a bar. If you clap on two and four, that's the syncopated rhythm. So typically if you're listening to rap or jazz, you're gonna get the two and the four, right? Mm, mm, right. That's that's one, two, three, four. Right. That's two and four. If you clap on one and three, it sounds like this: one, two, three, four, which is very square. But if it you play, like
1: music. but if you play live music anywhere in America today, and you'll see this if, after I tell you this, you'll you'll witness this. Every musician alive fights constantly with their audience, trying to get them to clap on two and four mm. because the natural thing for a human is to do the uncool thing and clap on one and three. So any. Whenever Anyone doesn't matter the genre. We see
0: people, white people parodically dance. <laughs> it's because they're, th- they're this clapping. This the introduction the to the jerk right. with Steve Martin. Yes,
3: that's exactly right. right. Where he, he has to clap on one and three.
1: Yes, clap on one and three. And so he this brings Saterica to start the show. And yeah. <laughs> so well, it was. I said it's going to be a different show. This brings me to the next thing that I want to talk about, which is this is a true thing that happened to me while I was overseas in Hungary. I discovered Taylor Swift, and I discovered Taylor Swift on account of my young daughter discovered the movie Sing which has the greatest soundtrack probably of any movie ever made, and these two little pigs sing Shake It Off. Uh, and I thought, that is a that is a surprisingly catchy yes. tune. I wonder from whence it came, and I Googled as much, and was led to this young artist named Taylor Swift, and I watched her music video, and by golly, yeah. I she's think she's going it. places. <laughs> you know, she, she I, this is honest to goodness truth, I thought of Candace when I watched it because... Some people just have it, the the thing that can only be described as it, and uh, no one in this room other than Candace has it, Candace <laughs> has
2: quite a healthy dose of it. You've never heard me sing Shake It Off. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a different experience. You, you, you had it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And I, I didn't in, say no I one invented it. Yeah. I invented yeah. it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was just it back then. You yeah. gave
2: it the...
1: <laughs> but I watched this video of Shake It Off, and I watched Taylor Swift, and of course I was familiar with Taylor Swift, but I legitimately even now couldn't name a single other of her songs because I'm just at the exact wrong age to have cared about music at the time that she was making it. But she is a genuine star. You watch this video and you're like, my God, she, is, she absolutely oozes it. And then this amazing thing, I come back to the country and she's taken over the NFL. Like she's actually and led to part, the largest part of the side.
4: Yes. <laughs>
3: yes. yes. So at I what point did, did you realize she was constructed in Langley right. to subvert the American
4: right? <laughs> she's a
2: hologram being controlled I, by the yes. George Soros. I, I, laser or something. I do think that the,
3: the, the
4: Taylor Swift thing, the way that the right played the Taylor Swift so phenomenon, is, is one of the dumbest <laughs> <laughs> <You> I've <laughs> ever seen. And the fact that, and other people have pointed this out, you know, you have that image of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, uh, you know, the football player and the blonde woman hugging after the game. The fact that some on the right have made that like a liberal coded image <laughs> is the stupidest, yeah. it's unforced error I've ever oh seen. Gosh. And I, obviously, yeah, she's liberal. Travis Kelsey's a uh, kind of a, a tool. He pushes the vax. I understand all of that, but the smarter thing to do is just to say, "Fine, yeah, that's that, we we own her. She's she's a you know it's a heterosexual couple. They're they're going to get married probably." We, we this take is, this
0: is, I, I totally agree with this. Yes. The, the, we can, she might save civilization because <laughs> a bunch of 30-year-old lonely women who are wine-drinking cat moms are going to suddenly realize that marriage and children are good if she marries Travis Kelsey and has kids.
1: Also, even just the fact of she and Travis Kelsey, that's his name, right? It is. The <laughs> fact of that he doesn't have it
2: no,
0: and
1: he didn't have any songs. His brother sing, has so it. I have no idea. <laughs> Jason has it. Have you seen Jason? No, no,
2: no, I, think no. I think Jason drank it. I yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, nevertheless, they might be conservative. This is the other sort of problem sometimes with how we talk about everything on the right is that we we stick a pin in this exact moment. But you know, people get married and it does change them. It changes their views. Getting married yeah. is an actual uh, civilize has an actual civilizing effect. If you look at the. If you look at the demographic numbers in any election, single women all vote left, yep. and married women tend to vote right. Uh, so, you know, we, we might at least hope that in the act of them having this this relationship... Well, the, there's, there's two so the s- that that things he, come
2: up. He, when he opened the door for her to get into the limousine, he actually pushed the bodyguard aside yep. and opened the door. Women swooned. I mean, it was, it yep. was amazing. You know, oh, look, like, that's what I want. There are two great... Like, Twitter we accounts know, yeah.
3: that explain this phenomenon. To, obviously, I get all my modern philosophy from Twitter. <laughs> and one, one of the great living modern philosophers, Edmund Smirk, whose avatar is a picture of Edmund Burke, but kind of like smiling with sunglasses. And he, he calls it Swiftian normality, which is what we want. We want to not be freaks. We want Swiftian normality. Pretty girl, dates the football player, they yes. get married, they have kids. That's really good. Another Twitter account, who I think, I think he's a, a Marxist, but maybe like a right-wing Marxist, I don't know. A Logo Daedalus he pointed out the reason why we're such freaks about this is because today, the conservative party is the liberals, right? The the party that controls the institutions, the party that is now defending the NFL, for goodness sakes, it's all the liberals who are doing that. The conservatives are the ones who are completely out of power. We have nothing to do with the political establishment, the status quo. So oddly enough, now the conservatives are the revolutionary force in American politics. And as a consequence, Sometimes we act like freaks when the pretty girl dates the football player.
4: And meanwhile, in the NFL, and I, you know, I'm an NFL fan, so I'm a little bit biased, but this is, this is another area where conservatives have a, it's a major unforced error. Many of these football players are extremely conservative. Yes, they are. And, religious. and, and very religious. I mean, the things that they'll say, it, it's very common to have NFL stars, bona fide stars, stand up in the podium you know, at the press conference after the game and say, you know, I want to begin by giving uh, glory to Christ. To, to by the Christ. way, both
0: starring QBs in the Super Bowl, both right. of
4: them. Yeah, I mean, they, they will give glory to God in, in these really intense, personal, uh, powerful ways, and rather than celebrating that and saying, wow, this is, this is incredible, we've turned, you know, we, we, we have
0: to I find a problem the, with In it. fairness, it only worked out for one of them. That's true. God didn't <laughs> want the other one to win. If it was a cynical play, I mean. <laughs> but the, but the, it, it will be fascinating to see, honestly, if Taylor Swift does write a song about marriage and children. Mm. That'll be the real break for her, yeah. right? Because she's been writing teeny bopper stuff since she was. Well, she keeps like, getting
2: dumped by these, yeah. Lotharios, or she, or she's dumping
0: that. them, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, she's she's thirty five. My big critique of Taylor Swift has been that she's thirty five, but every song sounds like she's seventeen. Yeah, right. That, that everyone was tweeting out the meme from High School Musical of like Zac Efron and the girl in High School Musical whose name I can't remember singing to each other, and it's like, right, but that's High School Musical, <laughs> and she's the age of like my wife who has four children, right. Right. And so we're, it just shows how we've delayed marriage in the society to the point where, like, mid 30s marriage is now considered normal and healthy as opposed to when mid 20s marriage was considered normal and healthy for women and even younger. And so it will be fascinating to see how her audience reacts to if she gets married and has kids, yeah. her starting to sing songs not about kind of these teenagey feelings of breaking up and and first romance, but like a mature relationship with a human being that yeah. lasts longer than six months and results in children. Because like it, it, it actually Madonna. could be a, a mm-hmm. seriously powerful cultural force. I hope yeah. that's the
2: direction she moves. Yeah, because otherwise she turns into Madonna. She's dressing like exactly. that for the rest of her life and she's as as she's falling apart with <laughs> just the costume is moving around the stage. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm oh, sorry.
5: Sorry. Well, I was just gonna say I. I don't think they're getting married. I, I didn't want to like burst into bubble. <laughs> yeah, like you really were hoping. Is it all, all an? We can but, like, dream she's, all. She's Taylor Swift and he's Travis Kelsey. Like, yeah. I mean, that's why they're not getting married. She only has relationships. I mean, she was just dating a guy five minutes ago, Matt Healy, and she said she had never been happier in her life. And then she <laughs> <laughs> dumped him after but that guy was a total fuck. Wasn't didn't it? like him. She dumped him, and now she's back into this other like. Obviously, Taylor Swift is crazy. I mean, I, I want to like. <laughs> obviously, the she's problem is not the a guy. Is hate me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well played. But I mean, obviously, if you've seen what she's even done in business and how she tries to manipulate her audiences, like to get out of like deals and contracts like she's totally insane yeah. like she's the most toxic feminist that's ever existed and at, what she does is basically the threat is that if she doesn't get what she wants she writes a song about a guy and then has 15 million girls singing the songs and drops little clues so they know who it's about I mean it's totally psychotic if you but, really think about but wait, it, it was, I don't think you no appreciate how there's psychotic no, that is that you can't no date scene. her for two weeks <laughs> without her writing a song about you I mean what she did to John May- John Mayer as John well Mayer, He was yeah. like I literally did nothing to her. Like, we went on one date and yeah. I didn't deserve this. You were ruined. And then this there's brain. a bunch of like 10 <laughs> year old girls whose brains are not developed who then go and attack whoever it is. Like, Scooter Braun's family, his young kids, literally had to go into hiding and get security because Taylor Swift wanted out of the deal that he legally purchased her catalog of music. Yeah. And she wrote this you have to go find it on Tumblr this like glorious rephrasing of basically like, my dad signed a contract, a legal, con- legally binding contract for me when I was 15. He now has the catalog as he purchased it. And she was just like, you know, as a woman, I sat on the floor and I wrote these songs. And then they tried to kill Scooter Braun's family. And he did nothing wrong <laughs> other than the purchase her catalog. But, you know, you know, and he I- only had it for like six months before he let somebody else purchase it. But like she hated Scooter Braun. Yeah, so this is a
4: room full of Swifties you're talking about. No, guys, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 like I just, I just
5: like, right. obviously now, she's now, not getting married. And Travis Kelsey. I was going to wear my well, I'm a science. Travis Kelsey has exclusively only dated black girls. He had a whole show only dating black girls. This is not even his type. He just realized that this is like a good business move for him, and it is. It's a genius business oh, move wait, for him. You, but I this is you? going to be totally one album, on and then it's over. I totally oh, agree
0: yeah. with her now. I got to go. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm I didn't mean to be I'm like pressing totally about serious. it, but like it's can one I, album, and quick. he's
5: not going back to like he's not can going from like this? Black Girls to like Taylor Swift. This is like a business. Because when you Go, it's, a, it's a scientific fact. We have to pull up the articles. We will. Yeah. The science has been yeah. done. Trust say, the science. Candace, you don't go back.
4: You agree? I, I basically agree with everything you're saying about, about, about Taylor Swift. She is awful. Like, I, think, I think calling her the most toxic feminist ever is oh. quite a statement. That's a That's Toxic
5: feminism is when you use... Being, it's like Kesha, Taylor Swift, they've been yeah. doing this. It's, it's, it's a new breed of feminism. She's a new breed. Yeah, I I'm writing an entire book on this. It's like the Lena Dunham School of Thought. She literally said Lena Dunham taught me feminism, which basically Ooh. means Ugh. that you can get whatever you want so long as you're able to sell to people that you're yeah. a victim because you're a woman. And she has done it to the tune of a billion dollars. I agree. Like she re-recorded her catalog and resold the same album because Scooter Braun legally purchased her catalog. Her dad was sitting on the board of the company and she said, I didn't know it was getting sold. You didn't know it was getting sold. Your dad is sitting on the board of the company. What are you talking about? But eight-year-old girls don't understand business. So they then just tried to kill someone.
3: You don't Ron. think she's going a little baby crazy, though? And just... No, no. Her, her ovaries are going crazy. She I, wants a baby. This guy, she, He might get a baby. Was that's Healy, a very... Was Healy the one a, a, a who, million who million made million. her like a permanent <laughs> girlfriend? Was Healy the one where they dated for like five years or something?
5: Who? The, Healy? Her, no, no, no. Healy was the one. She was, The six-years one was the London guy who didn't want any press. That's the one I'm press. thinking. Then she had a relationship right after that, oh. and she burned the the guy that she was with him for six for six mm. years. She burned him. Then dated Matt Healy, but then her fans freaked out because Matt Healy is kind of based, and like he made fun of Ice Spice, and she her fans were like, "This is racist." Okay, like, then I
3: rescind calling is that a five be? year oh. one. is
5: Yes, it? because Taylor Swift fucked her he's like a, a cuck- psycho. He's a, he's to the do a yeah. PR yeah. move so, that's a psychotic PR I move. Yes, I, I have so, to say that's yeah, the only
0: thing that made Taylor Swift even palatable to me at the Super Bowl was the fact that Ice Spice was next to her because. Ice Spice, not knowing what football was and being lectured by Taylor Swift and then celebrating as though she like totally knew what football was <laughs> by the end of the game. It was it was entertaining to me just in that sense because the only person more inauthentic than Taylor Swift in that box might have been Ice Spice. Yeah. But I, this is like, that's how I didn't know enough about Taylor Swift. Him, I got to admit. That's like, something
5: racist. Her fans freaked out. Well, they said it was racist. He was just joking on a podcast. He's kind of really into like the topic of masculinity and He's actually quite interesting, even though he dated Taylor Swift. But her fans dug up old stuff and said he's a racist. And it also turns out that he was watching, like, really gross black porn. And her fans dig this up. And then Ice Spice, they were like, how could you let him say this about Ice Spice? So Taylor Swift just, like, went and plucked Ice Spice up as a friend and took her to the Super Bowl. Like, that's totally psychotic. Yes,
4: okay, I I've got to get the question. I have to
5: get it <laughs> we're all being
0: informed. What?
4: Yeah, well, I didn't realize it. So you're the Taylor Swift uh, Biographer, I didn't. Yeah. That. But <laughs> what do you? So she is awful. Total yeah. total agreement. And Travis Kelsey is a total tool, uh, and I despise him and the Kansas City Chiefs. Right, i have got a great But hold on. Do, do just you apart. agree that just as, as a as a political strategy, <laughs> do you agree that it was a it's a bad political strategy for the right 100%. to go after her and try to demonize her? Best strategy is either to just ignore her. Mm-hmm. Or say, okay, she's gonna get great married. Great, fantastic. Yep. Right. She, not a
5: problem. I have no yeah. problem with that. I just, but I just want to also let you know they're not getting married. No, okay, but, so I'm but I'm, I'm <laughs>
4: well but I'm also so
5: Yeah, I agree with you. A, I'm also
2: I, right.
0: Okay. You're also but, but, right, yeah. But I, <laughs> I,
2: here's the here's the thing. I had I had you guys don't know this, but and this is absolutely true. I had a brief sojourn in the music business when, when was, you
0: dated Taylor Swift.
2: I, I'm the only I'm the only man who has not dated Taylor Swift, I believe. And it was proverbial that Female pop singers were insane. I mean, it was like, it was like you know, people would say, oh, as crazy as a female pop singer. They're all like this. But I don't really think it matters because the NFL is just a, a, a big image that you see and you see it for today. And nobody's going nobody to remember the whole thing. It's just we should have we played the image.
1: Do we accredit to Taylor Swift the unbelievable
4: ratings? Or do, uh, we,
2: do no. we
1: give that win to the fact that they no. very deliberately tried to make it less
4: political? I think That's that, all, I'll tell you what that is. That's 100% gambling. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason, that, and that's, uh, that's just the fact. The reason why the NFL, well, people love football. It's an American sport. But well, why are the ratings 7% and up? Because of gambling. They, they recently legalized sports gambling. You can do it online. Um, and I lost more money than I will admit to on air uh, this, <laughs> this season. Uh, but that's, that's what it is. It's, it's because of sports
0: gambling. You can gamble on every single aspect so, of the game. Mm-hmm. And that's the, there there mean, was one can other can thing, which is that, there was an artificial yeah. dip in the NFL ratings because of all the woke crap. So, because of all the woke crap, a bunch of people, including me, so you think out. it's just this, yeah, yeah. So there was a, there was this U shape, and then it jumped back up, and then yeah, Taylor has something to do with it in the sense that like my wife, who doesn't care at all about this stuff, and she doesn't even care about Taylor Swift, but she's like, why is everyone talking about Taylor Swift? And so, even like if I'd been watching the Super Bowl and Taylor Swift was not part of it, she would have walked by and never looked at the TV. In fairness,
1: and here she kind of randomly looked at. The TV. I hosted a Super Bowl party this year at uh, my house, and uh, and in years past. It's hard to keep the wives engaged. And this year, the wives all stayed up there and were watching the game with us. And I asked at one point, is this because of Taylor Swift? And one of the wives informed me that no, it was because of Usher.
0: Mm. <laughs> that's, a true, that's a true story.
4: Yeah, yeah. That performance, <laughs> not good. <laughs>
0: Alicia Keys was worse. Alicia Keys was like a capping run over by a cement mixer. Yeah, My goodness, <laughs> Usher, He they sounded like. They fixed it,
4: do you know this? They did. He they <laughs> sounded like a 45-year-old man trying to dance and sing at the same time, which is what he is. Anybody sound but he right. can roller skate.
1: I thought... <laughs> I get, this is another place where I think that we reject culture too fast. I was shocked by what that guy freaking dances like Michael Jackson. He's 45 yeah. no, he's, years old. He's a good dancer. And it was amazing.
2: Yeah. I thought so too.
1: I but
5: didn't that, watch one minute of the Super Bowl. What? So I just want to be honest. Why are the one who cares about the culture the most? No, I, I already know what's gonna happen with Taylor Swift, so I didn't need to watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, it's not And gonna, you knew you would I Bowl. did watch the first minute of Usher's performance and I was like, Yeah, these are all the old hits, so I'm glad that he did that and there was nothing. Wait,
1: kid, is there was no mean, satanic
5: meaning. meaning. and I was so for me a win at the halftime performance. Is no satanic meaning, yeah. no political yeah. message, no, no, and, no, no, and not too many media. ass cheeks. Did you yeah. not, so it did was you a not watch it was it
3: and stand, though, for the, the Black National Anthem?
5: I did. I <laughs> watched the Black National Anthem the next day because I just can't believe we're still doing this. By the way, I think
1: it's act- I'm not joking, I think it is now the Negro National Anthem.
5: No, no, yeah, according to a Tennessee congressman, he just, he just went out there and Really? He tweeted oh, yes. in Drop defense. Yeah. He was in like Why is no one standing for the Negro? And I was like, Oh, we're really going back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A lot of people are Negroes again. Awesome. It's
0: happening. That that well, was what yeah, do we, it, as far I just didn't understand anything that was going on during the halftime show, to be honest with you. Oh no. I didn't, I didn't understand either. like suddenly he was wearing like three layers and then suddenly like the middle layer was mithril. And then he, and then all of a sudden he was bare chested and dancing like Terry Crews.
1: Hey, if you look like that hey. bare chested at 45 years old on roller skates, yeah. I'm just saying, I've never listened to a single note. I can't name a sing- I can name one Taylor Swift song and zero Usher
2: songs. I have
0: one And for, I still thought.
2: I thought, I thought, he it gonna, it. deserves it. I he thought when it. they said it was Usher, I thought it was going to be the guy who dusts off your seat before you sat down. Uh, was, I, was but really I, was,
0: I was also wondering, like, I, I do admire that Lil Jon showed up and he is famous for saying four words. That is literally his entire four career. Turned down for what? And he, right, said, and he said, and he said, he, said it. he did. He yelled and people extremely were ex- loud, and people went crazy people because they love turning down. And, for where and where were you? Was imagine number imagine one if though, imagine if though, I was They didn't even let me at the, at the Grammys. Yeah, they didn't even let us at the Grammys. By the way, that's we right. tried hard to get on the Grammys. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Are you kidding? Word. Were we gonna give up that troll? the not go to the Grammys? Is Nicki
3: Minaj a crypto conservative?
5: They think that everybody on this show. Is a crypto fan of Nicki Minaj. I, have you ever followed the I'm online I'm an explicit fan. and I just I, I said that. Too. I said, I'm explicitly, we're explicitly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an esoteric fan Nicki of Nicki yeah. the Daily Wire again
0: mm-hmm. against Megan I'm course, a Barb
5: against Cardi B and, and Megan Thee the Stallion. Stallion. Like obviously,
0: Thee Stallion. Stallion. Yeah.
2: The problem is Thee. Well, that was, that <laughs> was really your best. <laughs> that was your that was one of my best. It, it's yeah. still my it, it was, was my best
1: truly tweet. his be- the best Ben Shapiro tweet of all time. I, know, I think I, I, I think it, it,
2: it was the funniest thing I had ever seen on the Daily Wire. I still I still laugh about it. Well, the tweet. We're right? oh, talking about the no, song. No, I, I was talking about was, his the performance. The, the, the tweet, the tweet, performance. The tweet we surpassed
1: the song. <laughs> it was excellent in
0: every way. Yeah. So basically, as we were climbing the Billboard charts, and we were passing everybody, and Megan the Stallion, two e's, was next in line. And so I tweeted at, at Megan the Stallion, "Hey Megan, we're coming for thee." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, that's Hall of Fame. Take your waiters. That's T- that the best tweet all, of all time.
0: <laughs> yes, because because why are there two? Stop ruining everything. <laughs> why? Yes. 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 Stop ruining yes. something too. too. Literally, his job.
5: Hundred percent. The Matt's access cat. of <laughs>
0: the a access insulted. of wet blankets. I'll be honest.
5: But <laughs>
6: <laughs> Let's do it.
1: doing? So all of this Taylor Swift uh, isn't just in service of having a conversation about uh, about. Culture. He's going to go to Joe Biden dying office. I also want to talk about Joe Biden, who's probably <laughs> going to die off. No, no, I want to talk about marriage. Like this is the big, you know, I think one of the great conversations we ever had on this panel was about marriage. One of the ones that I got the most positive feedback about from people who felt like it really uh, edified them. But there's a real move on parts of the right to oppose marriage now. Uh, it's it's run by the ostensible red pill crowd, which you know it's interesting how the meaning of red pill has evolved over the last. Uh, five years, to to essentially now mean, anti. I would say anti-woman, they would say pro-man, but I think it's far beyond pro-man, I think it's decidedly anti-woman in many ways, and you see people who, I think some of them are are bad actors who are peddling, but then you also see people like, like Pearly Things, who, I don't know Pearl, I don't know if she's a bad actor or not, I kind of get the sense that maybe she's just a naive uh, person being kind of dragged along out of half desire to be famous and half probably hasn't read a book. Um and, and half of that I can relate to, <laughs> but and the other half, you can also relate, to <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's this interesting question that that uh is harder to talk about in one on one settings it might be befit this format, just to talk about what is the role of men and women, what is the role of marriage in a society that has essentially turned its back on the concept of marriage that is legally encoded anti Anti-man and policies and then our legal code. The definition of marriage. I mean, Abolish the definition. You know, it's, not,
2: it's, not, it's not anti-man. They've, they've abolished difference. They've abolished right. the difference between marriage. The distinction itself. Yeah. You nice.
3: know, I, I just went on the whatever podcast. Yeah. For my, I, I think it's now my like 28th hour on that, that show. You were that was six hours after a three-hour debate on the show. So I, I did a separate thing. Yeah, I did nine so hours. Did nine basically hours. Straight. Yeah. Well, and I and, but well, it was. It was worth it. How? It was why? great. It was great. I really love that <laughs> show. I love it because it got almost every question. <laughs> I, when when I when I did it the first time. You couldn't pay me. I, you pay me a million dollars. I would No, I love it because <laughs> the girl. These poor girls, man. The whole thing with that show, which is why it's so funny, is the you get. Hold the girls. on. I'll pay you ten thousand <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dollars. You're really gonna do it. I mean. You're like eleven. Yes. No, the thing with that show that makes it very funny is guys go on and they make fun of these girls who have only fans who are like 18 and don't know anything. And then the guys completely destroy them and then the girls look like dummies and then the clip goes viral. And I, I felt it would be wrong to do that. I felt I might get a lot of views but I might also burn in hell for eternity and I... Thought about it for a moment, and then I thought, no, okay, I won't do it. And so I went on. And you also I have a rule: never give the audience what they want. Yeah, exactly. Never, like, I was. I went on a great Michael discourse Nose. about the, the Treaty of Augsburg. <laughs> I, no, so I go on there, and I, I just felt it's not these girls' fault. All of them have some weird family situation. None of them. We live in a culture that teaches them a ton of lies. They don't. They don't. They, they have no education. Even if they went to good schools, they have no education. They don't. So I, I felt okay. Let's just talk about what's really going on here, and. They're victims of feminism, and the red pill guys are victims of feminism. And the <coughs> irony about the red pill guys, I sympathize with them a lot, a lot of ways. The family courts are totally stacked against dudes. The culture promotes divorce and abolish the definition of marriage and blah, blah, blah. But the, the red pill guys are feminists. Their, their sense of men and women is... Basically, right. this—it's just that men and women are interchangeable. Yes, and go around screw around. You owe nothing to women. If it's good for women, it's good for men, and that's just a lie. You know, the, the fundamental unit of society is actually not the individual. Right. I love individual rights. It, it's good to be an individual. The un, the fundamental unit of society is the family. It's men and women together who have a love that becomes so real that sure. you make more people. Well, to
1: have to have an atom, you have to have a proton and an electron, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like. A man is a proton. Like, very important, but essentially nothing
0: until it's unified. To have an atom, you need to have an Eve. No, so, that's know. where I thought he was
3: going. That's mm-hmm. where Remember? I thought he was and going, And then
0: I, was to gonna gonna, I thought he was going to mm-hmm. go for the Steve thing. And yeah. I was just
3: going, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I, not Steve.
4: I've always... Uh, Two the, protons an Adam does not make. <laughs> I dare say. I've always, with the red pill, you know, and, and, I've, and I've been in many uh, uh, altercations with, with the red... I've run afoul of the red pill crowd many times talking about these issues. And the question I've always had for them that they've never answered, and I'd love to hear an answer from any of them, is that, you know, because I agree with 95% of their criticisms, uh, uh, as you point out, the family courts and it's how it's stacked against men and so on and so forth. What's the other option? Like, okay, we agree with all that. So then men should just be alone and, and give up on their on their bloodline and die. And their bloodline is extinguished. Like what you are suggesting is despair. You, you are telling men that men are already feeling despair. They're feeling meaninglessness. They're feeling lost. They're feeling alone. Uh, they're feeling like everything's stacked against them. And so your answer to them is, yeah, well, just that, that's the be, be in despair and then die. And my, my point is that, that that's, just, that's just not an okay answer. That can't be the answer. And, and have lots
1: and lots of sex.
0: Well, but that's, that's, that's the... Sterile That's sex.
4: what you say. Sterile. Although not as much as a married man.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, this is, but this is what you were saying, is that that's how it turns to the anti-woman. Yeah. Because it's not about the despair. The way that you find meaning is then by disparaging the people who have victimized you. Right? In, in any victim-victimizer sort of narrative, when, it, when there is no actual victim and victimizer and it has to be sort of put together artificially then the, vic- the person who self-perceives as the victim is very likely to then strike out at the person who they perceive as the victimizer. And so for a lot of the red pill men who perceive the woman, the great woman, as the victimizer, the idea is that you lash out at women by having lots of sex with random girls and basically treating them like trash. And it's okay because they said that it's okay with them, but that doesn't, I've never understood the argument that it relieves you of responsibility for treating a woman well just because the woman has consented to be treated badly.
2: But, but this is, he's right about the despair. This is go, permeating the right. It permeates the politics of the right. It's the idea is basically it's all over. They think of people basically, Ben, like you and me, as sitting on an ice floe, kind of floating out with, as the ice you know, melts away because we're sitting around thinking about civil debate and you know, c- constitutional governance, and they think that's all over now. And, and their despair is, permeates the right. And I listen. I listen to a lot of these young guys, and they're talking about bringing back monarchy. They're talking about, you know, they yeah, they're king. I know you look. What you know, I didn't but, say anything. I didn't yeah, say anything. Yeah, you know, I but, but we had monarchy. It's not that great, you know. It actually isn't. You. <laughs> you, you know, if you think if you think our elections are bad, well, you see the beheadings, you know, because that's how most of the kings of were, were killed. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, mean, you know
5: I mean,
2: that's fine. We'll I'm say not saying we need an Imam or a
3: Sheikh, you know, or like a Sultan. I'm just, you know, am I missing this? What is Red pill
5: no marriage thing. I feel like I'm pretty in there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's a big. Am th- I missing? Like, yeah. I feel like I've totally missed this. Yeah, they, they, that's, they, that's they the whole, like,
4: their whole position. They, they think that that well, marriage are, is.
5: What men, men are? What men are anti-marriage?
4: Well, yeah, that's the point. Oh. I, they, they shouldn't be, you know. But it's. No, but he's right. This is true. All the guys that
3: tell. pop up in our Twitter feed.
4: But
5: tell, tell me, I'm actually missing this. I didn't know the marriage thing.
0: I'm very pro-marriage.
5: Pearl made that argument. yes Okay. Argument.
0: Men. Literally, men should not get married.
5: Okay. Because the institution. But are men listening to that? Like, are men saying men should get married, or is that? a woman saying that a man shouldn't get married. Well,
1: Pearl, it, I think that there are examples of men saying it as well, but I think Pearl is sort of a, a prominent, one of the prominent voices. A lot of the But she's not right, married. No, no, no. Yeah,
5: okay, okay so then that, that, I think that's, first, that's, that's a huge thing, right? I mean, obviously, oh, it's sure. like listening to people that don't have kids tell you why you shouldn't have kids. Like, it, <laughs> it doesn't really work, right? Because when you're telling them about what changes inside of you when you get married, and I think it's very easy to gravitate towards that. That is a feminist message, not to get married. And if her right. argument is... If your quarrel is with the courts, I could agree with you. Like, you know, the courts have done tons of things that are awful. Sure. That I, just, well, this, I I don't even agree necessarily with the courts taking marriage at all. It was a church thing, and they took it, and this is how we ended up with, with gay marriage rights, which I'm very much opposed to. Well, I would say um, that a
1: big part of the bread pill thing that we would all probably agree with is they diagnose actual problems. So right. when Pearl or, or other people in the movement come along and say, this is a major problem in society, Right. I almost always agree with them. Yeah. It's when they get to the prescription that I think that, the, that it that's falls right. apart. The prescription being you know, lashing out at women generally or, or well, embracing it, despair or ni- yeah, kind no, of nihilism. That's it's a feminist
5: message. Fundamentally, to be anti-family, I don't understand how you could identify as a conservative at all. Yeah. Because everything that the left is trying to do, every Marxist principle, every feminist principle is about disrupting. You know the family unit. it's what connects everything, from the climate change lobby to don't you know, don't have kids, the plant's gonna die to yeah. feminism, you know, be like men, we should be like men. It's all a disruption of the family unit. And if you if you are now arguing in favor of something that's fundamentally Marxist, and you have to examine whether or not you're conservative at all. That would be what my pushback on that. what we're trying you know, to I, I haven't heard any men say that they're anti-terror. Maybe I need to just... No, I, I
3: have. A lot I, have. Of, I don't want to yeah, give them yeah. press because they're all jerks to me online. Okay. But, they, <laughs> but there are a handful of these guys. And the, the irony of it is they they put, put themselves out there to be these big virile you know pinnacles of masculinity. But their anthropology is fundamentally, for lack of a better word, gay. Right. Their their anthropology is fundamentally sterile. And it's, it's saying yeah, we shouldn't get married, we shouldn't have kids, we should just have sterile uh, relations with <laughs> random women. And so it's kind of how the irony that, you know, we end up at, at the, the topic that no, no one's allowed to name anymore that Matt made a movie about. And, uh, you know, people say, well, that's so crazy, you know, we should dial that back. But that's just a consequence of the very same sexual revolution that has said for many decades now that men and women are are exactly the same, which comes from feminism, right? So Horseshoe theory. I, totally, yeah. I mean, it's... it's uh, this, the logical conclusion of Gloria Steinem is these red pill bros, and they don't—they e- don't even realize it.
4: Honestly, what, what I
5: radically pro marriage.
3: When I when I run into a
4: lot. Of, I mean, whether these people identify as red pill or not doesn't doesn't really matter. But when I talk about marriage on my show, and I promote it, and I talk about my own experiences with marriage, uh, I hear all the time. I mean, the comments are full of people who are conservative who are saying, "Well, well, that's just your experience. That's a that's a you know you you know you got lucky. You have it easy." Yes. And uh, and so and, and you're trying to trick men into this deal that isn't going to work for them, uh, just because you happen to find a good woman, and and that and that's the kind of defeatist mentality. I, I hear it all the time, yes. all the time. And and what I want to say to these men is like it's no, it, it's it's an easy way to dismiss it. But we're all married in this room. We're all happily married. So we didn't get lucky. It's like you you, just, you have to work at it every single day. It's a, it's an it's a choice that you make. And there's a lot of women out there who are looking to make that choice also. Um,
0: so it's very easy but to just kind of... Dis- it's also, this, to get back to Drew's point, actually, so I'm going to back your point before you, before you back your own. So the, 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 the real question is why that's arising on the right. You understand why that revolutionary movement exists on the left. I mean, you can't have spelled it out. It is, it is fundamentally a Marxist movement that it seeks to destroy the institution of marriage in order to level all of society so that you can build up, based on the ashes, some sort of weird scrap heap of new creation. But the question is why that's happened on the right, and this is where I agree with Drew, is that because the right, and this, this goes back even to some of the Taylor Swift points that you were making earlier about why the right is getting Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey wrong just imagistically. Yep. I mean, I now agree with everything you said about Taylor Swift. I mean. But, <laughs> the, but, the, but the, the reason that that's happening is because since every institution has now been fundamentally taken over by the left, or at least the, that's the belief of the right, if you extend that to every institution, that, that extends even to like, the most important institutions. right? The right is looking and they're seeing every institution that we once relied upon rested out of our control, including things like church, right? Things that that were very fundamental to our lives, rested out of our control and then militarized against us. And so that's sort of the argument that the red pillars are making. What What they're saying is that the institution of marriage was rested out of our control and then perverted and used against us in the same way that they're arguing that about the government or arguing that about the church or arguing that about the universities or the press. And the problem is that when it comes to marriage, because it's so personal and because in the end, there is no substitute for it, you can't just despair of the institutions and, say, build a giant alternative in the way... Any, like, you have to actually do the thing that conservatives really should be doing in nearly all of these, in all of these modes, which is seize control of the institutions back. So what, the big debate that's happening right now on the right is, can we do that with these institutions or you burn them to the ground? And it differs institution by institution, right? I think most of us in this room would say, like, the university system, go ahead and burn it to the ground. Or the, or the legacy media, go ahead and burn it to the ground. But when it comes to the institution of marriage, you can't burn it down. That's not something you can burn down. Well, it's not an institution invented by man, for one thing. Right? Exactly. And, and so you, you actually—you well, can to, burn it, but you burn civilization with it. Exactly. And so, the, and so, I think that what's happened is a broad category error that the right has made in being anti-institutionalist broadly. You're starting to see the most right-wing edges of the right wing say, "Well, that includes all institutions," and that's why you see the link between, "Hey, there's bad divorce law. Maybe we just shouldn't get married or not participate in the institution of marriage. It's fundamentally broken and it's dead." The 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 thing that the right I think needs to get back on board with is no you you the, many of these institutions even if they seem like they're not savable are so important that there is no ready alternative and, to them and, and so you and actually have of them, to seize and back
2: and marriage specifically are based on individuals. What individuals do, that's what the institution will be. And the thing is, when you live online, you're living in this fantasy world of loud voices and angry voices, and it's very easy to be overwhelmed by it. It's very easy to think, I mean, I think this happens, probably has happened to all of us, where people are screaming at you online, and you suddenly think everybody's angry at me. And it's six guys with like a, a couple of bots that are just coming after you and they're the loudest thing and they're surrounding your head. God, I do you want got to heads. bot business? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, no. Because you're stuck in this in this make-believe world of the internet. And the thing is, you build institutions by doing things with the people in your community and with the people that you you know. Yeah, and in, in real life. Yeah, it's real Yeah, It's the meat robots.
1: This is this is important marriage in particular is, is a thing that you do, right? Mar- marriage, how do we fix, we need to fix divorce laws. Like I think that we should start a non-profit think tank. All of us should pitch in. I know what you all get paid. Um, <laughs> and start a think tank just aimed at addressing the horrible inequalities that exist in family law right now. There's no question that that, in particular women are incentivized to leave their husbands. Right? If you got rid of so
3: default like, divorce, you would solve Seventy-two percent. I'm, I'm with over, you. By, by the way, but that's, okay. but why, that's
1: a. But I, I don't disagree with you. But that is a that is a that's an all or nothing proposition. I'm
3: not and I've got all to,
1: divorce. I'm just and I, no, no, no. I'm I'm only saying that we're not a year from getting away. From, uh, yeah, yeah. From, from moving away from no fault divorce. That's a generational activity, just like getting rid of, no, just like introducing no fault divorce was a generational uh, undertaking. There are a lot of goalposts between here and there. Places where we could make an immediate difference in the lives of a lot of men. You, know, you could actually go tackle this problem. It shouldn't, be, it shouldn't be the case that a wife is economically incentivized to leave her husband, yep. and a husband is not economically incentivized to leave his wife. In very broadly speaking, that's a bad incentive structure. We might be able to do something about it. But ultimately, whether you fix that bad incentive structure or don't fix that bad incentive structure, whether we get rid of no-fault divorce or don't get rid of no-fault divorce, your marriage is not a statistic. Well, your marriage is the actual marriage that you the actual person is in with another actual person and you have enormous agency there and the worst thing that's happening on the right in my opinion right now is this victim victimizer mentality is settling in and i completely understand why it's settling in it's settling in in particular because the left was so effective at using it to build the their winning coalition uh in the in the mid 2000s it's how they it's not exactly how they elected Barack Obama in two thousand eight, but it is how they elect yeah. reelected him in twenty twelve. Is with this hierarchical victim mentality, the coalition
3: of the ascendant, right? Or that's or right. They called it, yeah.
1: and so then you you end up with the right seeing that that's what's that that's what works, and re- recognizing the only group of people to whom it doesn't apply is conservative or white Christian male, like the people who traditionally have voted uh, Republican in the country, and so they they basically took that same victim mentality and tried to and tried to make it work over here to, to build a coalition. And and the problem with it is if everyone is a victim, right? Once you, once you reach every human is a victim, then we are all basically nihilists. Like there's nothing, there's nothing left anymore there's almost,
3: to be poor. I, I, I agree with you, Jeremy. There is a point that we're the right. We want to deny oppression generally because that's the language of the Marxists. Mm-hmm. But I, I almost think we should acknowledge it for a second. And say, you know what, there is oppression. Okay. There is victimization. It happens to all of us. It's not the result of the white guys or men or the what women or whatever. It's sin actually is what oppresses you and it leads you to form vices and when you form those vices, you become a slave to your appetites and you have a crappy life in a crappy country. And so you're right. Let's acknowledge that and then recognize that you do have it. It's easier when you have a society that... Impels you toward a better life and more human flourishing, but you actually do have some agency, and the the law, the Constitution, is only going to be as good as the people who enforce it. Did you see this ruling came out of the Hawaiian Supreme Court that said it was a gun case?
5: I did not see that ruling.
3: This was amazing. (laughs) It said that really funny. So it's It's really funny. A gun case, and this is after the the New York case, New York uh, Rifle and Pistol Association, which upholds the Second Amendment in the state of New York. They take it to Hawaii, and the Hawaii Supreme Court says, no, you don't have your Second Amendment rights, because even if that's what the Constitution says you have, there is a higher law, and that higher law is the spirit of aloha. (laughs) That's seriously what it says, in those words. in, In the face of that, you realize, oh, the Constitution that in a buck 50 will get you a cup of coffee the laws the federalist papers all of that is worthless if we have a people
2: who yeah. just don't know but how you to you're your, with your so. marriage you're talking about, yeah, you're your talking about the, fund, the fundamental argument that people make to support their power so somebody recently said that every political argument is bs 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 that's why i should be in power but the normal argument is I should be in power because I will give you safety, security from violence, and I will make the economy work or keep it working. They changed the argument to, they want to put you all back in chains, but if I'm in power, you will not be put back in chains. It's a very different argument, and it's not the American argument, and it's the argument that now dominates. So essentially, you're talking about a form an argument for governance that depends upon your sense of being aggrieved. Mm. Who doesn't have a sense of being aggrieved? I mean, I, I, I work for Jeremy. I'm aggrieved. You could know, write no, books. I am of it. Tomes. Yeah. So, so, so I, th- I think that this is like, we let, we let the arguments get away from us. You know, in everything, in everything in our society, as Lincoln said, public sentiment is everything. You can get public sentiment either by making an argument or by inciting emotions. <laughs> Or by simply oppressing people by simply stomping on their neck, and what we have got now is we bet both sides, including the right, are just basically inciting emotions. They're just basically saying, "Run for your life!" or the you know the other guy will win. We don't have any avenue for making outside of this room. Outside of this room, we actually don't have an avenue for making arguments that people believe in. And this is why I find it so infuriating. I fell for this with W a little bit, George W. Bush. If you may remember him, he was president. You yeah. But I fell for this a little bit where I thought it doesn't matter that the president can't speak because it's what, what he does. And now people say that about Trump. It does matter. You have to be able to speak. You have to be able to convince people. And we've lost that power. And that's why this thing with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift matters because we've lost the power to simply say, this is what's good about this, this is what's bad about it, whatever. But do no, you have, have to? Be, you
3: know, I guess my, my, I, I agree, ideally, that would be the case. But when I think about uh, the classical definition of freedom, of free will is is not just volition, it's not just choosing, but it's perfect willing predicated on perfect knowledge, perfect intellect. So that's why only God is totally free. And we are uh, more or less free depending on how we control our will and what we know. But, and so if you live in a country where people basically know some things and basically can control themselves and they have morality and they kind of practice stuff, then yes, the president being able to make a persuasive argument is going to uh, make you more or less flourishing and more or less free. But if you live in a country where that has been severely degraded as we do today, yes. I actually don't think that if we had Pericles getting up there giving a great oration, it would do very much of anything. So. I
2: don't know. I think that there are certain things that we could actually change that might change that. I mean, I watch debates now, and this is one of the reasons they say these ideas are obsolete. I watch a debate now. I have no idea what anybody thinks, and I don't <laughs> even understand why a, a journalist is asking questions. I think like that journalist is not. He's not a journalist. He's are you know advocate. Why is he determining? What Ron DeSantis can talk about or Donald Trump can talk about or why aren't these guys just getting up and saying this is what I have to say. You know, Lincoln Douglas didn't have a, a moderator. They don't need it. We have no vengeance. Well, well I, truly, kind of I
1: truly believe no one should be able to be elected president who doesn't do three hours on Joe Rogan. I'm, I'm not <laughs> joking about that. Uh, I, no, if you I, can't I sit down for yeah. three hours and yeah. talk about what you actually yes, do?
5: Well, that was why the Putin interview was fascinating. Like, just the f- opening hour sermon that he gave. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't think Tucker knew what to, quite to do because that's never happened before.
1: I actually think like, I'm no I'm no fan of Tucker Carlson. I actually think that he comported himself very well in that.
5: No, he did. I'm yeah. saying that he literally said at the beginning doing,
1: doing almost nothing. Yeah,
5: because he said he did. thought, is he filibustering? Because this is how unaccustomed we have That's become right. to someone being able oh, to I sit totally down agree. for an hour. <laughs> the eighth century. I was like, oh wow, he's gonna, he's gonna just be quick. No, the ninth century, the tenth. It is an incredible thing to realize that Tucker, Tucker thought he was filibustering because he had never seen this before. That's right. We've never seen it before. Obviously, Putin is very bright, right? And right. we're not used to—we're really not used to that at this moment. But we and used American to have history. that, you know, like Richard Nixon. And i Biden thinking it's, this is a good Putin time for me to go up and get on a podium and have a press conference. It's like, please don't do this right now when everyone's no. watching Putin deliver a historical sermon and, about and Russian. And history. I, will, I want to
1: say this one thing: I don't want—I don't want to stick too much on the Putin thing because I do want to finish this marriage conversation, but. The best part of the Putin interview to me is that whereas I thought going in that it would mostly be Putin posturing, and of course, he, he's a politician he did posture, it would mostly be him sort of propagandizing, and he's a politician he did propagandize, but it was predominantly Putin actually telling us what he thinks. Yeah, that was yeah, astonishing. Yeah. That was and astonishing. You, really and you can say that he's wrong. I think a lot of what Putin said is inaccurate. I think a lot of what he said is wrong. But I far better today understand Putin's motivations than I did before this interview. Because Putin told me what his motivations are,
4: by and large. And, the, and the, the the fact that so many people reacted, especially to that first part of the interview, by saying how boring it was. And then I watched oh, it. Like, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought it was absolutely fascinating. It's fascinating. Because, but we're not used to... I mean, he's giving this historical discourse, and he's a connecting actions that he's taking today to things that happened 500 years ago. Which which So there's two things going on. First of all, as Americans, we, we are used to intellectual, lightweight politicians who would not be capable of, of offering any kind of explanation like that. But also, we... We're so disconnected from our own past and our own ancestry that's right. that the idea that people are motivated by things that happened a 1,000 years ago is so foreign to us. But what we don't realize is that this outside of the modern Western world, this is how the entire world works and has
0: worked forever. That, that you know, for us, the it's crazy. Well, outside of America. Even, even I, to say, right, right. Even, even I really, the United I really States, disagree with this. I mean. I mean, even in the United States, it used to be that people used to be able to speak to the constitutional values and the development of those constitutional values yes, of time. Yes,
2: yes. Right? Well, not you, if not you, that if long
0: you read, ago. Right? Not yeah. that long ago. If you yeah. read, this, if you read the, the single best speech that's like this, the, the July 4th speech by Calvin Coolidge on the 150th anniversary yes. of, of 1776, it's a phenomenal speech. And it really does explain sort of where we are in historical time. And it's, it's pathetic that American presidents are no longer able to do that. That is pathetic. But as far as what Putin actually had to say, listen. I think that that his view on history is is deeply flawed. So, I think yeah. that I think that he yeah. elides significant facts. I think that it's obviously biased in a particular direction, which is why he does what he does. But the thing that that was interesting about it, and I agree with you, and Tucker, I thought that actually, uh, I said this on the show. I thought he did a really good job actually just letting him talk. I don't want to hear what the interviewer has to think. I want to hear what Putin has to think because you actually don't really hear that all that often. And actually, it, it sort of underscored to me how aggressive he is because when he spells out the history of, of Muscovy and he explains that that basically everything in the entire region was once Russia, it, you know, it's hard for me to see that as not territorially ambitious. But the, the kind of broader point, which is that countries have histories, philosophies have histories, ideologies have histories, and those histories have consequences. That's something that we don't have in the United States. And because of that, you can have frauds like Nicole Hannah-Jones walking around not knowing history and falsifying history, and no one even knows what to say to her. So- I want,
1: I want to cover three things, then we can, and then there's a major topic that I want to introduce that none of you will have seen coming, because it wasn't <laughs> uh, until right this second. They just told me something in my ear. We have to talk about it. First is, we, we often diagnose problems. and we, It's the nature of our job. But for anyone who tuned in for that entire conversation about the red pillars and their view of marriage, what is the hope that you offer to a young man right now in this actual world, in the world where family courts... Bias against him in such extreme numbers, where women drive some, such a large percentage of the divorces, where he does feel that if he even makes an overture to a woman, he, he runs the risk of being kicked off of his college campus or worse. I mean, what, do you, what do you say to that, to that young man in despair about the
2: institution of marriage right now? What, what hope have we to offer? Well, I say this all the time. It's like, you have to begin with yourself. I mean, this, this thing that somehow the society is supposed to change for you to change is the exact opposite of manhood as far as I'm concerned. You know, you start out, who am I? What do I want? What am I doing here? Where am I going? And guy, a guy who doesn't understand that about himself isn't going anywhere, you know? Part of that is developed in, in a marriage, but the way you get to marriage is thinking, you know, this show. Whenever you're on that show, whatever I watch a little bit of it. My wife looks over my shoulder and says, "Is that Michael?" This show is disgusting every single time. And she says, "Because
3: I'm on it." You know, That's why. <laughs> you know, she
2: says, "Why is he doing that?" And I said "Well, he's actually the best thing on it," which is true. But it's like it's disgusting to bring these victims of a society on because it's it's a healthy impulse in human beings that they're born into a society and they live according to the rules of that society. That's a healthy impulse. You don't want. It. Not everybody can be a rebel. Not every age is supposed to overturn the <laughs> you know the norm. That's that's that would be insane. So most of us are born into a society and we adopt the values of that society. Right now we're in a position of climactic change. We're in a, a, a position where a generation, my generation, is passing away, possibly by the end of this show. And and <laughs> are there is, any and these here? transitions usually don't go very well. They yeah. usually are filled with violence and and. A, upset this is the moment when you have to say i stand here this I, I stand in this place i am this person all of those guys who are making fun of those girls they're, they're actually an underlying assumption there that they are somebody else looking for something else and if what they're looking for is a lot of sex and i conquered this and i conquered that you're right that's essentially homosexual <laughs> you know it's, it's essentially a gay lifestyle but but if there's they actually talking about the opposite of what those girls represent, then live that way and live it out loud. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is this is that moment. This is that moment when if you are not saying, I, I'm an anti-feminist. I think feminism was a mistake. I think just like what you were talking about before, they identified real problems. You know, there were unfairnesses and all that stuff. And they came up with the wrong solution. Yeah. I say this all the time, and people are always going, whoa, 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 whoa. Conservatives are saying this. They're saying like, well, you know, don't you, you? But you do believe this. But don't get me wrong. And also, yeah, get me wrong. Get me wrong. I think feminism should be thrown out. I think it was a mistake, and I think it was it was the wrong solution to an actual problem. If we don't live like that, if we don't live speaking out, if we're constantly dropping our voices when we say the the truth, we're done for. We're done for. It. And I would, I would that's, say that's my line to individual men.
4: And I think also. To build off that, the hope for for men, and this is also to your point, Jeremy, is that we are not condemned by the choices that other people have made in their own lives. Right. So, for example, this supposed statistic that 50% of marriages end in divorce, which which is basically made up, but let's just pretend that it's true for a moment. It's like, okay, but that's not my marriage, okay? Because I am being, that statistic is being weighed down by a whole bunch of people who, who, who made all the worst choices and their marriages failed very quickly. And so that's how you come up with a fifty percent statistic. But if you do basic things, like for example, if you're religious, if you you know, uh, if you just uh, spend time together, if you you know, if you if you listen to each other, if you're honest with each other,
1: the great advice Andrew Clavin gives to young men: Don't have sex with people who aren't your wife. Right. <laughs> if you do basic advice, things, if you do
4: basic things like that, your your chances of not getting divorced are are, are much much better. So you don't just the, the fact that this has happened to so many other people really has no bearing on you
3: and your own life. And that's the message I- The the basis also of hope here in this regard is the basis of hope generally. Hope is not optimism. Optimism is just a sentiment. Hope is a fact, it's actually a theological virtue, and it's based on an objective reality. So this sounds a little mamby-pamby pie in the sky. I think this is the, the best cause of hope for young men, which is there is an objective reality outside of you. Marriage is a thing that is not just or primarily about you. Marriage is a sacrament. It is the meeting of two people who take a vow before God and before the law and before the community, before the public, and you say you're gonna do a thing and commit to a thing and your love is gonna be so real that there is another person that comes out of that. Things are known by their purpose. The purpose of this delicious Mayflower cigar is to smoke it. The purpose of the Leftist Tears tumbler to to quench my thirst for Leftist Tears. Men have a purpose too. Marriage has a purpose too. So people, I think, fear when they get into an argument with their wife, it's going to be some negotiation or some some mere battle of wills that's totally irrational. No, we have reason. You can actually... uh, resolve many conflicts using your reason and coming to terms and just doing the things you're supposed to do. To quote Don Corleone, talking Mm. to Johnny Fontaine, you can act like a man, even when it kind of hurts your feels a little bit, even when you're kind of tired and you worked hard and your kid is screaming. Well, just do your duty. You know, people have a purpose and virtue is doing excellent activity over an, a period of time. And that, that you know the nature, frankly, by the activity that you're doing. So do what you're supposed to do, man.
1: It is true that one of the big red pill voices out there, I won't name him either, he is somewhat well-known. Um, and, and I saw him railing about how these Daily Wire guys all talk about marriage and not one of them will actually sit down and talk to a man who's been hurt by the injustices in our, in our family law. And you've all, you know, my wife left me and destroyed my life, and took half of my money, and more than half of my money, you know. and he goes on this long, long rant, and then he gets to the end, and I kid you not, and he gets to, and, and yeah, I lived on the road, and <laughs> I made a bunch of mistakes, you know, but I, uh, blah, 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 and I thought, oh, you're blaming the institution of marriage for multiple affairs, not, not a mistake that you made, a lifestyle that you embraced, an yep. anti-marriage lifestyle, you were living outside of your the vows of your marriage and you're upset that your wife decided to formalize that uh, to formalize <laughs> that and we could say that maybe in a no fault divorce uh, situation she she would still have a claim there might even be societies in which she wouldn't have had a claim none of that's actually the thing being debated the thing is you can't be unhappy that your marriage doesn't work if you didn't work on your marriage this person obviously didn't and th- this brings me to the last thing i want to say which is that you never know out in the out in the wide world and and all the craziness who Who's actually a good guy and who's a bad guy? I mean, sometimes you know who's a bad guy. It's often hard to know who's a good guy. Would anybody sit down and talk to Pearl?
5: I I, I invited her on the show. I feel sad. that I I actually missed this. I don't know how. I feel like I'm on the internet, but I missed this trend, and I would definitely sit down with her because that makes me sad that a a woman not aspiring to marriage, your life gets so much better. I talk about marriage the entire time on my podcast because I want women to know that, and it's it's not a message that's often reflected in culture. If you look at just this integration of, of shows, we've talked about this on past back, back stages, but you know, I grew up watching the Winslows and you know all that great Nick at Night TV, the Jeffersons, and it was all about family togetherness. And now what's being projected on the screens is that you, men cheating on men, loving hip hop style, you know, uh, Real Housewives, everyone's crying and hysterical. And and the truth is that if you don't have that man and woman coming together. In this, in this, so in this institution, what you end up with is hyper and hyper masculinity, yeah. and neither one of those things is good. Actually, right. because what happens when you come together is you have the perfect masculine and the perfect feminine. I would agree to those men that feel impacted and hurt by what's happening. I, I very much agree with. I, I actually believe that we're living in a matriarchy, um, mm-hmm. and that's why life—it's hell. It's hell on earth right now because women are in charge, even though we're saying we're not. Um, and. They're, they're likely, not even mothers. They're likely <laughs> responding to the matriarchy. I'm radically anti feminist. You're anti feminist. I'm radically anti feminist. I'm like willing to give up, forego voting to let men do it. Because when women, you know, we Let's just go. are too <laughs> emotional. I like men are hyper. It. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm there. Like, I would do it easily yeah. if it would, the vote was up tomorrow. But because hyper femininity yields to really bad things, women's emotions get hijacked very easily. Yeah. Men's aggression can get hijacked when you get the hyper aggression. When you come together, you weed out those hyper-elements. And Absolutely. so I am i am a marriage stan, as the kids are saying. I've learned his slang. Stan is a stan yeah, new slang. Have you, ever
2: noticed, have you ever noticed that in the old days, like the old movies, before I, even I was born, if, if, if you can imagine that, the, the guys were like small guys, like Humphrey Bogart and you know Clark Gable. They looked like guys. And the women looked like women. And then right around the time that feminism had its first surge, which was in the 80s, you got like Arnold Schwarzenegger and mm-hmm. Sylvester Stallone. I used to sit and think like, who are these guys? All they do is shoot people, you know, like they don't they don't have any romances. You can you couldn't watch Schwarzenegger kiss somebody. It would be like an act of murder, you know. It's like <laughs> they would have these gigantic guns and I felt like, what the hell? You know, that's that's actually not a story. Mm. I mean, men, you know, it's it's tough to be a man because you're the guy who has to be in a fight if somebody insults your wife. And you know, you may not be that guy, you may not be a fighting guy. Th- those were the old movies. The old movies were guys, A, who were small and normal and just had the guts to do what they had to do. And, and B, also, like, they, they, they stood you know, they stood for a thing and they were a thing, but they, didn't just, they didn't, weren't just these incredible. What well, that's said, so I think you're helped.
0: missing one step only in yeah. the Hollywood evolution, if we're going to do this. And I, that is that you had kind of normal, iconic masculinity in the 40s and 50s. And then in the 60s and 70s, you had the feminization of men. And then you have the uber-masculinization right. of men. That's a reaction. Yes, everything right. is reactionary. Everything's a pendulum. Women, right. women,
5: as well, women, when we get to it, man, the matriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> One, now that I've said it, you'll see it everywhere. You give them your
3: pinky, you know? So
1: I don't want to talk about news. I, I led the show by saying I don't want to talk about news. But, but something happened since we've been sitting here uh-oh. that merits discussion, and that is that... Is the president uh, still alive? The president is still alive, <laughs> and that is that, that, that Mayorkas just became the first... Sitting cabinet member since the 1800s to be impeached mm. by Who did, Congress. Scalise got in back. Mayorkas, Mayorkas. Mayorkas. Wow,
3: wow. So, by the way, two
1: fourteen to two thirteen.
3: The the last one was William Belknap, Secretary of War in 1876. That's a good yeah, you know, I, I was just going to say I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> uh, there, there are going to be a lot of Democrats who start arguing that there's no basis to impeach him because they're merely impeaching him on maladministration, which is not a sufficient cause for impeachment. In the impeachment, the only other time this happened of a cabinet member, it was for failing to fulfill his duties. And in this case, I think one would argue that that uh, Mayorkas is being cr- criminally negligent here. He's actually violating the law. And uh, and and you know, if you're not going to enforce the most basic law of a country, which is... Like, the spirit of aloha. Right? <laughs> the spirit of aloha. <laughs> that's right. You know, it's like Mayorkas. He's just undermining the aloha spirit. Uh, you know, then then what would... Then there would be nothing to impeach a cabinet secretary. Well, sure. they should or,
1: impeach Joe please. Biden for the exact same thing then because he's Mayorkas' boss. Yes. Right. I mean, the ultimate responsibility to enforce our borders does not sit with the Secretary of Homeland Defense. That's, that's Homeland Security. Home, Homeland yeah. Security, which is a Dumb department, 20, 20-year-old department. Yeah. It sits with the president of the
0: United States. Well, so here, this is why I, I actually see both sides of the vote in favor and against. So it, when, when, it's, when, when it comes to impeaching Mayorkas, first of all, he's not going to be convicted by the Senate. So obviously, it's just for show, right? It's, to, it's, it's essentially the same thing as censure. It's just saying he sucks at his job. And he sucks at his job so much that he shouldn't be in his job. And okay, that's fine. The reality of what it really is, and this is why I support it politically, even if I don't support it in mm-hmm. principle... And this is where I'm sort of divided. In principle, I think that you should actually have to allege high crimes and misdemeanors in order to impeach a person, which is why I opposed both of the impeachment efforts against Donald Trump, even though I radically disagreed with what Donald Trump did between the election and January 6th. There was no high crime or misdemeanor that was actually alleged in that impeachment. Same thing with the first impeachment effort. I opposed both of them, specifically because impeachment up till that time had generally been used mm. for high crimes and misdemeanors, and none were alleged in the actual, actual documents. Here, there was no crime or misdemeanor alleged, as you point out. And so on a principled level, I would suggest, okay, well, you know, then he shouldn't be impeached. However, the rules apply to everyone or they apply to no one. If you are going to impeach Donald Trump twice on the basis of no high crime or misdemeanor, that gun is off the rack now. And now that gun is off the rack, everybody should know that gun can be pointed in any direction. So now it can either be weapons down or it's going to be free fire. That's that's what this is. Either either everyone is going to have to go back to neutral positions. Everyone's now going to learn. Either stop impeaching people for not crimes. Or everyone is now impeachable, and that's just the way this is going to work. And by the way, if Republicans were to gain a supermajority in the Senate, they would not just impeach, they would remove. Now, on a a perfectly kind of Mayorkas level of all this, you're totally right. So I've talked with the—I was talking with Brandon Judd, who's the head of the Border Patrol Union, and he suggested that, you know, he's had conversations with Mayorkas, and he says, like, this is Biden. Like, Mayorkas may have principled bad beliefs, but in the end, these people all work for Joe Biden— And the vast majority of things that even Mayorkas would want to do are being stymied by Joe Biden. It's Biden who's really sitting there and saying, I don't want the border closed. This Remain in Mexico policy is the easiest thing in the world. It's the single most important thing that Biden got rid of on day one. And he opened that border wide open and he wants the border wide open. And this is on Joe Biden. He should lose the election because of it. Again, if you were going to... Probably the most important thing Donald Trump did as president. Oh, it's clearly the most important thing he did as president. Because actually, if you look at the beginning of his administration, he actually didn't do it right. Like the very beginning of his administration, you actually had pretty high levels of illegal immigration right at the beginning. And then he realized and he flipped. And he started to actually enforce things like Remain in Mexico, which he negotiated with the Mexican government, which was actually a really good piece of negotiation done by the, by the administration. Uh, so Remain in Mexico completely stymied the flow to the border. Because if you have to wait for your asylum hearing, In Mexico, you're not being released in the center of the country to just escape and run around and never be heard of again. You have to wait in Mexico. You show up, we reject your asylum, and you go back to wherever it is that, that you came from. By getting rid of Remain in Mexico, Joe Biden turned the Border Patrol service into a ferry service for illegal immigration. That is what they are right now. That is on Joe Biden. It really isn't on Majorca. So it's a good piece of politicking is what I'll say.
1: Yeah. What? Why? Does Joe Biden want the border open?
5: That's the question, right? Because this conversation we're having now doesn't matter. The fact that the mainstream media is now acknowledging that we have a border issue means they already accomplished their goals, right? Because we've been talking about the border for years as conservatives. They ignored it, pretended it wasn't happening, reframed it, said they all needed a home. And now they're all in a mass panic and saying the border needs to be closed, which means that whatever their nefarious goals were, they've already been accomplished. There's 10 million million people are in the United States. What is the actual reason? Because it'll give them a permanent uh, electoral majority. Yeah.
4: That seems to me. The, the, so, the, great, the great replacement is the, re, the thing we're, not, uh, we're not allowed to say. How dare you? Hey, you, you am racist. I sitting next to David? Only they are allowed to say that. You are not, <laughs> not allowed to say that. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's obviously the voters, and it, but it, also, it is also the demographic shift. They, the, the fact that it's uh, more non-white people and less white people,
0: they're very much a fan of. And that, As they tell us. So, as they tell us, they're very clear about that, so, and that's the reason. I think there are a few reasons. One, as far as why they're starting to realize that the border is a crisis, it's because his numbers got so bad on yeah, this thing. I think that's right. What they're really trying to do now is suck Republicans into making a deal so they can say, he made a bipartisan move, yep. the issue's off the table, Trump can't run on it. I think that's, a, that's more of a political move, because if they could facilitate more illegal immigration, they certainly would. I mean, Joe Biden would love to have more illegal immigrants in the country. And there's a variety of reasons. One of them is actually ideological. The hard left of Joe Biden's base really believes that the United States, on a global level, is a guilty country and that we should not have a border because people are owed a spot in the United States. You are owed the ability to enter the United States under all circumstances, so long as you claim that you have a rationale for being in the United States. And it doesn't matter if you actually have a legit asylum claim the United States has unfairly exploited the rest of the world's population, and thus everyone has a slot in the United States. And you hear people talk like this on the on the hard left. So that is part of it, and Joe Biden is really, really beholden to his far-left base because he's so unpopular. If you were riding at 55% in the polls right now, he wouldn't be doing this. I think one of the reasons that he's doing this is because he realizes that his coalition, he's trying to duplicate Obama's 2012 coalition, which is the great— sort of mirage that Democrats have been trying to duplicate ever since. Hillary tried to duplicate it in 2016. She couldn't do it. Minorities hated her and so they didn't show up to vote for her and a bunch of white people didn't show up to vote for her either thinking Trump was going to lose so why bother? And then in 2020, Biden tried to duplicate the coalition, and the only way he could do that was essentially by rigging all of the rules so that 60% of all Democratic ballots could be turned in via mail, which, as opposed to 30% of Republican ballots that were turned in via mail, and so you had the single largest increase in voter turnout in modern American history. You went from having 136 million voters or so to 160 million voters in 2020. That is not able to be duplicated. The voting numbers are going to go down this year. What you're going to see is actually those numbers are going to be close to 140. So you're going to lose 15, 20 million voters from the actual vote In this cycle, because all the rules changed and because you can't gather the ballots quite as easily. And so what Joe Biden is freaking out about is how does he get the people who are low propensity voters, right? The people who are like 30% likely to vote. That was Obama's magic in 2012. Everyone who's 50% likely to vote is gonna vote and they already will. Everybody's 30%. Can you get those people to vote? The magic for Trump is that he does that with some of the Republican low propensity voters. The problem for Biden is he really, really does not in the absence of all the rigging of the rules in 2020. And so what he has to try to do now is jazz up the minority base and jazz up young people, right? This is why he's caving on virtually every issue to like the most radical people in his party And so that's another reason. But obviously, the idea that he wants to bring in a huge group of people who will vote, the lie that they're not going to vote because they're illegal immigrants. No, what's going to happen is these are all disproportionately, not all, they're disproportionately young males. And they are going to get married to American citizens who already have status. And they are going to be sponsored for a green card by the people that they marry. And then they will indeed vote. So I want to talk about
1: borders broadly in a minute, something that Michael and I have been talking about. But you you said the great replacement. You said demographics. A part of it is that they're trying to change America from a predominantly white nation to a not predominantly white nation. Ben, you've taken a lot of flack online for commenting a couple times over the
0: years that you don't give a damn about the browning of America. What do you mean by that? I I don't care about the race. I care about the ideology. I don't think that they care about the race, by the way. I think they care about the ideology. If they could import 200 million liberals from Sweden, I think that they would do it. But isn't the point that just...
3: It it's so happen. I'm not saying it's good. I wish we could shift the whole black vote. I wish we could shift the whole Hispanic vote. But
0: it we just haven't. It just hasn't happened. Well, I mean, but I don't see how that's relevant. In other words, the way that the left likes to slander the right when they talk about things like the Great Replacement theory is by suggesting that the reason that the right is opposed to mass migration from these countries is because they want fewer brown people. The point that I was making is we don't want mass migration from countries that don't share our values. Right. I don't care whether they're brown, whether they're green, whether they're white. Like, it doesn't make a difference to me. If you come from a country where you are used to gigantic government services that take care of you and you're coming here to be reliant on those government services or you don't share American feelings about how family ought to work or, or about how government ought to work or about many of these values. I don't care if you're pulling those people from Latin America, whether you're pulling those people from like the most liberal parts of Europe, like that doesn't matter to me. The ideology of the people who are coming in matters to me. So when I say about the browning of America, again, I don't, race is of no relevance to me Insofar as it's just race. This the ideology another, matters. But I, but this is I another think, think,
2: area where the right has despaired, though, because they really do believe that there's simply no way to change. You know, there's no way to change the way these people think, the people who are coming and think. And so they're just now talking about ethnocentricity in, in ways. Well,
0: that, I think they're falling into a trap. Meaning yeah, they, I they, think so, they, too. Meaning I don't think that they even have to make that, that argument. Like, I agree that many of the people coming in are not going to change their minds. Right. That's why Democrats are importing them. Is right. Because they won't right. change their <laughs> minds. <laughs> I right think it
5: would be that. weird to go to UK or like I guess this is happening now, but I do think it would be weird to go to Sweden and then like everybody was black. Yes, I don't know. Like yeah, I yeah. think it, it does. Yeah. It does kind of matter yeah. a bit. But like those, it would but be. Those it's, countries yeah. are based it's, on race. Yeah, I mean, I'm well, not saying it is
1: slightly. This is an important distinction, I think, because Sweden is Sweden and has always been Sweden. But what and if Sweden they just suddenly? Of yeah, race. yeah. But America hasn't. America wasn't built out of race in the same way that Sweden was built out of race. So I, it was overwhelmingly.
2: It was no, but if you put aside if you put aside the color of people's skin, it was a bunch of people who had been at war for two thousand years. The Europe, yeah. were kill- the people in Europe were killing each other the entire time. But you know, if yeah, you, but, but, if race, go,
4: but, no, but race, has everything.
2: I
5: don't want everyone ben, to be Latin American yeah, in America. Am I don't mind, like it, it, a bad person for saying that? Yeah, like, race, am I going on a headline tomorrow? Race has, race has
4: everything to do with it. I mean, Ben, you said that you don't think that they care about the race either. They care about the ideology. I think they very much do care about the race. They, they, they really do hate white people. So they're and building they an ideology, ideology about race. Right. 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 Well, and, they, they hate, and, and the white people themselves feel an intense sense of guilt, as you mentioned. And I think a lot of... It kind of goes back to what we talked about with Putin, and he gave this historical answer and all this sort of thing. And you could disagree or agree with that. But he's got... A, and, and Russians in general have a great sense of, of the history of their people. And in this country, white people in particular have no sense of our own history. They feel an intense guilt, mm-hmm. like we don't belong here, because they don't, they don't understand... What actually went into building this country mm-hmm. and they don't have and this is why I, I, I bang on it all the time on my show that we should have you know we came here we, you know Europeans came here uh, and conquered this country fair and square they conquered it and and it took incredible courage and ingenuity to do it, and we should be proud of that and we should say you know this is this is our country and this is this is ours, and it belongs to us um, and I think the fact that we don't have that that yeah. pride in our own history is because we don't have a sense There's of it. Yeah, we do have a, a national
5: identity and it's gone away like i don't want why are we teaching so much spanish like when we see like spanish signs in certain communities i don't want to see that this is that. not uh, this yep, is america you know if you go back yeah. it did have certain demographics like whether you like it or not like obviously like the, it, this was a country that was conquered by white christian males and then you decided to bring over black americans so we're here we're staying and i do kind of have an issue with like this non, this system of suddenly we are importing South America here. Oh, but and the, this country okay, feels so. like it's turning into a Spanish country. Like I feel like I go to some places and I'm like, am I visiting South America? That's, is this America? But, that's,
0: that, but that, that's culture, not race. Meaning that if you imported a bunch of white people from Spain, those would be white Christians from Spain. so, so they what have you're, different you're, culture so in what, Spain. They do have a different culture mm-hmm. in Spain. That's my point. Yeah. What we're really talking about is what, what Democrats like to do is they flatten race and culture into the same thing. And I don't like to see the right make the same mistake, meaning that even when we talk about quote unquote white culture, if you're talking about white culture in the United States, what you're really talking about is predominantly men not of European descent, men of specific areas of Britain descent who founded the country. And then there was serious battle in the United States over the course of its history over, for example, the Irish, the Germans, the Italians, the Swedish. Right? Or, Literally, more, everyone, the
1: more Germans migrated to America than from anywhere else. But they had to assimilate into a largely Anglo-centric. If you brought assimilate
2: these people by. over slowly and made them assimilate, I'd be fine with it. I think that's what you're saying. That, that's exactly what I mean. Right. There, there are certain closed fundamental the that
0: Is it fair to say that... Can you become an American in the same way that you can become, say, a national Swede? That's, th- that's kind of the question. And over the course of American history, the answer typically has been, yes, but here's the barrier to entry. You have to accept these But
1: all, principles but also also there from was American. Also, there was a timing component, which is the melting pot can work if you actually have a melting pot. And if you import more things that are like what's already in the pot and fewer things that aren't, so that the things that aren't become more like the things that are, Instead of the thing that is becomes more like and you right. and you the teach right.
2: them that because you're
3: proud of it. Because can you this is can what you we assimilate we love, you know. a Guatemalan into America? Yes, of course. Can you assimilate 60 million that's Guatemalans? The, that, in you and you know, end up with it.
5: Guatemala. Yeah. The, and this point,
3: I mean, to your to <laughs> your point, right. Candace, it is. Look, we we now have what is it? They want to set the limit at 8,500 people per day. Yeah. A day, per yeah. you know, <laughs> so, minute. I, think. I mean, the, the movement of people in, into the United States from 1965 to 2015 was the largest movement of people in recorded history. And the numbers have only gone up since then. And so this is, you know, some of my best friends are Guatemalan, okay? (laughs) Listen, hey, everybody, don't worry. I'm a really nice guy. But, (laughs) you know, this has been an observation going back to antiquity, which is that immigration is always a destabilizing force. It's the political advice that Dante's grandfather gives him in heaven, in paradise, which is, hey, watch out for migration. It can really destabilize your polity. And so to your point, Matt, when the Democrats are encouraging mass migration, yes, in part, it's because they think they're going to get a permanent electoral majority because these people are more inclined to vote for Democrats. But it's also just intrinsically destabilizing yep. and it upends the political order. And they think out of that instability, they can craft a new
0: political order after their own image. Right. And I, I, the only point that I would add to this is there's a reason why Democrats don't want to import a bunch of Cubans. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, I mean, like, that's the, why they, like, they stopped it, wet foot, dry foot. It, it, that's exactly right. Yep. Like They'll, they'll we'll open the southern border totally wide to people who are coming from the Northern Triangle in Mexico. But when it comes to Cubans who are trying to escape a communist hellhole, who are going to vote Republican in Florida, then it's like, no, we want no part of these people. Right. That's why I say, again, it's it's politics and ideology. That, again, this is not an argument for and broader immigration. We also live in this weird moment where
1: in, in the wake of the Second World War, we essentially ascended an international morality based on the permanence of borders. Mm-hmm. And we essentially said the definition of a good nation is one uh, who never tries to expand <laughs> its borders. And the definition of, of a bad nation is one who does attempt to expand its borders. And... Therefore, anyone who aggresses against anyone else is automatically bad. This was a way that we thought we could keep the peace. But A, no one ever lived by it. America grew its total landmass by over 33% after the Second World War while pretending that its highest (laughs) virtue was not to do so. Um, But also, in addition to just the hypocrisy, it just ignores the fact that a, a nation state is a living thing and all living things grow or die. And so when you lock the borders of a nation, even sort of morally, even if you don't actually live by that standard because we imported all of Alaska. But when you lock the borders of a nation, you essentially doom it to a kind of death. And now you've taken the energy of expansion, which is a natural, be fruitful and multiply. It's like the original thing that God spoke into life uh, uh, in the garden, even before sin enters the world, be fruitful and multiply, expand, grow, be optimistic, try, try to advance. You, you've locked that in. A culture that's locked in begins to die. It begins to fade. It begins to not produce children. And now, especially because we don't have a melting pot, and one reason we don't have a melting pot now is we have a multi- multicultural welfare state. As you grow the welfare state, you cannot have the bottom strata of society become smaller, and so they have to import workers. Yes. Right, and they're because Great Britain can't grow anymore; it has to, it has to. It's lost its animating spirit, and it has to reach out and import half of. Uh, Half of Muslim Africa into its its nation, and now Muhammad is the number one baby name in the United (laughs) States. No, no,
5: no, no. Let's correct that. Muhammad is not the number one name. It is the number one name, but let me explain how that works. I see people saying this, and this is just so inaccurate. Basically, it's because they all name their children Muhammad. Sure, yeah. like, you know, so, no, that's literally why. Because there they put, still, yeah. Sure, there sure. so not more, it's, it's, there's not more of, of them. Yeah, yeah. If okay, all of us are our sure. kids like that's I like that's see. culturally why they do <laughs> but, that. But, but there's
3: still a lot of them. in And life, also, the you know? reason that
5: they're in <laughs> the UK, are, I'm sorry, were you were you suggesting that they're intentionally importing them over to the UK for work? Yes. I think
1: that they have to have they have to grow their tax base because they're in demographic collapse.
2: Well, they started doing that, but then they had the the, yeah, I the, think it's the like Syrian revolution. Yeah. yeah. They had what? Well, they had that Syrian influx of. Well, all the, the there, was a, there was there's the humanitarian. And then there's like, yeah, the humanitarian yeah. kind of, yeah. I kind of started think, with
5: think, Libya, and then it just.
2: Right. But I, like I, think a, I think
0: one of the things that, that refugee, one of the points yeah. that Jeremy is making is that one is sort of an excuse for the other, meaning that they they were intent on on bringing in vast. I mean, this is certainly true in the United States. We're we're yeah. seeking to import a cheap labor base into the right. United States and undercut the wage base. I mean, that, that's clearly something that's you been know, happening economically. We have, to, we, have to have to
4: listen, we have to listen to the other side when they give us, not to repeat myself, but they will tell us what their reasons are for wanting uh, mass immigration and not enforcing the borders. And the number one thing they'll say is that we don't have a right to have a border because right. we don't really have a right to the country in the first place yes, by, sure. because Agreed. we stole the land. And that's why I think as conservatives, we have to be much more aggressive in meeting that challenge because usually what we'll conserve, either we won't, we won't address it Or we'll sort of agree with it and say, "Well, yeah, it happened. It was a terrible thing, but you know, we're
0: here now." I think we have to. We have to have a much greater sense of our own history. Oh, European taking over the continent is one of the great things that's happened in human history. But without 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 America, this globe is doomed to be a hellscape. I I I totally agree. But that's that's a case that is I think
4: rarely made by the right. I agree. Of course, we rarely talk about the pride we have. In conquest itself, that's a great. And that's good, essentially what I'm saying. Too, that's that, that's that, what you're saying too. I was going
1: has to just have a, to say. an expansive, yeah. animating premise. You know, you and know, if you if you read Churchill when he's a kid, what's so amazing about it is that he's a completely animated Victorian Britain, right? Like he's a. Yeah. He's, you're, he's you're an making, empire man. you're
2: making you actually are making a radical and really interesting and uh, undeniably true statement, which is that that you you grow or you die. You know, you read you read Shakespeare, and all, in all the plays, it's always like there's a season for war, and there's a season for family. There's a season where you get together and create new people. But the the idea that you can stop fighting one another and stop expanding, and and continue to live with frozen borders, th- actually doesn't work. And the, and the thing about it is, is you kind of hope you what we were kind of hoping for, as the Europeans were hoping for, just before they destroyed their culture in 1914. But it, what they were hoping for was that you do it without violence. You do it through right. ideas. You do it through cultural appropriation, essentially. You say, you know, take over. You go, you go into a country and say, live like we live, and, and you, that will be better. And that's the way you, that you expand. But people don't do that. Right. So well, much, there, they there, like to kill thing, each other. You know? There's
0: nothing. that yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, There's something that, that happened in the 19th century when the United States at the other coast. Right? When the United States made it to the other coast, the, the, the kind of exploratory the nature of land. what it meant yeah. to yeah. be an American Ended, and then something else had to take its place. And what took its place was commerce. What yeah, took, but it actually did for about 100 years. For about 100 years, it actually really did work, which is why America is the commercial republic and the most powerful country on the face of the earth. Yes, we have great natural resources. Also, we kick economic ass. I mean, yeah. this country is dominant economically. And, and that's because we didn't just build out, we built up. Meaning the idea was that we were now going to build economic greatness. The new, the new explorers were not people who were necessarily going to find uncharted lands because all the lands have been charted. They were going to discover new things. They were going to create new products and services. They were going to be like Elon Musk and find Mars. Right? I mean, they, they were, We were going to shoot for something that was, that, was, that was higher. And then we decided that we were complacent. We weren't going to do any of that stuff anymore. What we were going to do is we are going to shuffle around the tiles. Right? We were, we were, everything was good. We were all prosperous. We were going to create a mass welfare state, and we were basically going to stagnate back into nothing. Well, listen, isn't,
1: think, isn't what you're talking about that we fixed the borders of what was possible economically yes, as yes. much as we had I, geographically? I, I think
2: the, the end of the wilderness is absolutely a big deal, and you're absolutely right that we moved into trade, but we also moved into the space exploration. And it was the end of the space program because it was taken over by the government instead of yeah. Elon Musk. Because it was taken over by the government, it did a couple of fat, fancy things and then died. But there is this animal spirit that... Exceeds trade. There is an animal spirit in the human heart and men, basically, that exceeds trade. Well typically and, it's and then, invention. You're not right? exploring it's innovation and in- creation. Trade yes. is
0: not innovation, creation, and
2: expansion. But you can only trade, create tra- you,
0: trade more gives space you a broader market for the for the presentation and uh, you know, I'm supply sider yeah. What trade does and what broader markets do is they provide you a new space to conquer with new innovations and new products and new services because that's the footprint of the United States is much larger than the land we govern. I, the footprint I, I, of I the United yeah. States is the fact that everyone wears Nikes everywhere on Earth. That everyone has a McDonald's in their country. Yeah. Right? So the, the glories of American capitalism, I'm, and I'm not a 2 cheers for American capitalism guy. I'm a 3 cheers for American capitalism yeah, yeah. guy. Because I think that when people say 2 cheers for American capitalism, they're suggesting that capitalism is supposed to fix things like marriage. Which is like suggesting that a hammer is supposed to be a screwdriver. Yeah. Capitalism, for what it is, is the greatest thing. And guess what? It's not everything, right? It's great for the the things. That's that, the for trick, which, though, it, for, isn't it? Yeah, doesn't it? Yes, sometimes that's why I'm not an Ayn Rand libertarian, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But the, what, what what capitalist markets are good for is, for example, things like assimilating new groups of people into your country. No, I, so one, yeah. one of the, I mean, if you look at the history of immigration in the United States, what you see is major waves of immigrants who must assimilate because if they do not assimilate, they will not have welfare dollars because there are no welfare dollars. When, we my, welfare when my state. great-grandparents got here in 1907, my family's been here for 120 years. When my great-grandparents got, on both sides got here in the early 20th century, they spoke Yiddish. And within about five years, they didn't speak Yiddish no more. <laughs> and none of their kids spoke Yiddish because they immediately picked up on the idea that you have to engage in a trade. You have to become more American. You have to actually imbibe from this well. And so we under, we've undercut in this country all of the fundamental bases for a growing and thriving society. Yeah, I, and now we're basically I, just importing I, I think, new blood what, from a young person.
4: I think you know, what Drew was touched on is actually really really important, and it's also very true. We're tracing the kind of the decline and decay of American culture. I, I agree that you trace it back to the end of, uh, of, of the space age. Yeah. Because there's also this... Uh, there is this need to actually explore, like, physically. And you find that, you know, you had the exploration age in the, in the 15th and 16th century. Early 20th century, it, it, it shifted to the polar exploration. They were going up to the ice in the North Pole or Antarctica. And just kind of, like, people yeah. were dying and it was horrible. But you're just doing it because Great. we have to discover something. And then that shifted to, like, let's go to the moon. Like, we have to go somewhere and discover something. And then we just shut all that down. Yeah. Saturn by and, 70.
2: And, and, right. and, right. and
5: you know, the, and, this, and the whole thing about growing, women, by the way, I was talking about this the other day. It's incredible. Men have this need in your nature to like want to conquest. Yeah. Like, what? Uh, how does this work? How do they get men are engineering? You know, it just comes very naturally to men. And like, what's out there? What's in the woods? Why is a tomato coming at me? Women don't have the same instinct, so it's fascinating to hear you guys talk about this. Like, literally, there's a reason men conquered the world, right? There's a reason for it because it's just naturally what you're predisposed you have two to. You we're like, them. I'm like yeah. down to be in Amish community and just raise some kids, <laughs> and learn how to bake bread. But you guys, do you and figure out how to go to yeah. space? And now and,
4: we're now I say we're also going in reverse because what's happening is we've stopped exploration and at the same time, we're turning back and. And either denying or expressing regret over the expiration we already did. We're apologizing uh, for the conquest uh, of America. I think some of we're, de- that. we're denying that the moon landing even happened. Right. Uh, I'm not trying to <laughs> rope Candace <laughs> Let's into say, the debate. Listen, if you want to uh,
5: burn your fan base, it's cool. Okay. If, you it <laughs> if you want to do it again. If you want to do it again, you just don't know your base. It's I cool. did.
4: But so, <laughs> so I, I think that's part of it. Like this, this, this turning back on our
0: greatest achievements.
5: And, right. and I think, oh, I that never happened. Yeah, I think something I that's agree.
0: self-justifying meaning I think that since we foreclosed the thing, now we're justifying to ourselves as a society why the thing is impossible. Yeah,
4: because
1: we can't go to the moon. They couldn't. They certainly couldn't have gone to the moon Right, because we're we better than them. And, and also but
2: we shouldn't be go to moon. Be there the there moon. Let's go back to what you were saying before, related. it's not a knock it's on capitalism. Yeah. They've always not been not a knock on capitalism. Yeah. It's something else and more. This is outside of the values that underlie capitalism because <laughs> without the values, capitalism is just selling fentanyl, basically. It's like it doesn't matter what you're selling. But you can't, continue to build on the same space forever. You start to build inward. When they say, oh, you know, in order for our economy to thrive, we need more consumers. And that's degrading. It's degrading to the human spirit. That's not how you build a society after a while. I don't want to buy anything. You know, maybe I just want to live my life. I have enough stuff. You've got got to move. You've got to move. For a
1: guy who loves Frank Sinatra, you miss the most important thing that he left us with. It wasn't the music. It was the quote. Whoever dies with the most stuff wins. Wins. (laughs) You know, the, the thing we're
3: missing, too, one is, the, the kind of a good, I, I agree. I got too much stuff, man. It's coming yeah. out of my. Yeah. The kind of a good that you actually do want to continue to I consume is the kind of good hours. that you set on fire. Yeah, you know, like That's that right. you burn and then puff because like, the body like, almost like a temple. cigar, yeah, almost like, like a, yeah. almost like a Mayflower. Uh, <laughs> the thing that we're missing though is, I, I agree. Uh, expanding commerce is a wonderful thing. It's nice to have material yeah. goods. You, it's actually necessary for a. Yeah, a, it's, not a, it's not just life. nice. I mean, yeah, no, it's no, it's actually it's, necessary to sustain your life. But the thing we're missing when we talk about American exploration and broader Western exploration is that I think we kind of buy into the left's argument a little bit, which is that they just undertook these great conquests for money. They just did mm-hmm. it for plunder, and they they didn't That's actually. Right. I, you That's know, right. I'm a big defender of Columbus, and I know the guy. Maybe he did some bad things, but he he was not motivated only or even primarily by money. The man was trying to fund another crusade. Okay, uh, the the uh, American one of the great heroes of. Was yeah. one of the great heroes the of the West, after, yeah. ever. The, you know, uh, I don't think that uh, Charles Martel was motivated primarily by greed, okay? I don't, th- I don't think Jan Sobieski was motivated primarily by greed. I don't think the American founding fathers were. Almost all of them were impoverished because or Neil, of the Neil Armstrong, revolution. Armstrong, for that matter. Or, or Neil Armstrong, or any of these guys. You know, they, uh, many of them were undertaking colonial endeavors to spread the faith. You know, they they were doing it for for the good of everyone. I mean, there there are uh, politically incorrect poems written to this effect about the conquests in the Philippines. But they really thought that they were doing good for people, and I think they really were doing good for people. And when you lose that part of it, when you lose a sense of mission for the purpose of man, for what can be done when there is peace on Earth and how we can flourish, then you're just left with buying more stuff, and that is degrading. The
2: spirit that gets into a shoebox, which is essentially what Columbus did in sails Across the Ocean Blue, is bigger than the spirit that builds Amazon.com. It, it, you know, you, you have, it's wonderful that there's Amazon.com. It's wonderful that there's entrepreneurs and all these things. It's fantastic. It's not not a knock on them to say you also have to get into a shoebox and go someplace and and you do it for spiritual reasons. Well, course, or or, or danger yeah. that
5: they went through to yeah, do it. I mean, yeah. just right. or, about uh, the journey that they made, not knowing if there was anything there. Yeah, there, there was anything there, yeah. You think consider.
4: about Cortez... Conquering the Aztec Empire with a ragtag group of... One of the great you know, men of history. Right, right. And, and yeah, I mean, first of all, being motivated partially by resources and you got to get gold, like there, there's nothing uh, ignoble about that to begin with, but that's, that alone is not going to drive men. Right. I mean, especially you think, about, you think about what they had to do. You're, you're getting on a, a, a ship and going into an unknown ocean. You have no idea. You could easily die on the way. The idea that you would do that just... To turn of profit is-, right.
0: is well, No, I mean, I, again, I totally agree with this. I, when I say three truths for capitalism, because capitalism is in the economic box, that is the mechanism by which it's you wonderful. can actually effectuate yeah, no, this sort yeah, of it, stuff. But the, the the person in the modern world, so let's let's look at the modern world. I mean, there's really only one direction to go, and that's up, which is what Elon Musk is doing. But all the borders have been drawn. Every land has been discovered. There's no uncharted land. We have satellites. Like, we know where everything is at this point. So the question is, what is the modern man to do if he has that exploratory instinct? And this is why I come back to the idea that the, the difference, maybe no one can be Columbus anymore because you can't unless you're going to actually get in a rocket and go to Mar- Mars or something. But barring that, barring like the three people on Earth who are going to be able to actually try that, you're just a normal guy. It used to be a normal guy who would pick up his stuff in New York and then just start going until they found wilderness. But there's no more wilderness. Right. Okay, so what exactly does that guy do? And the answer is, in fact, that he can still combine the desire to do good for people and the desire to serve a holier purpose with commerce. Yeah, that is still sure. there. It's nobody's just, not, it's, it's just you, can't, you can't get in a covered wagon and do it. I mean, there's just what? no no kind of so good well, wagon.
1: Although I do think one interesting thing about uh, about what Elon Musk is doing is that his rocket ship, uh, Starship, which is meant to go to Mars, doesn't seat three people; it seats one hundred people. Yeah, and he he refers to it as uh, a wagon. That he he sees it in the same way that those wagons were in in the West. That I I think that you know. Elon Elon Musk could very well screw all of this up. He's a human being and God has a funny way of (laughs) knocking men down when they try to reach too high. Uh, But right now, Elon Musk is probably the greatest living human. I don't know if he's a good man, but certainly a great man. And his actual desire is not to see a man walk on Mars. His desire is to send hundreds and hundreds of ships. And i everybody. And
0: having spent some time with him. I can tell you yeah. that the thing that is motivating him is not the money. He's got the money. Right. That's not what motivated got right. all the SpaceX. Money. That's SpaceX, SpaceX right. was was built as a profit-making vehicle specifically so he could do the thing. Yep. And, Which and, by the way is the by the way, way by that's true of most great entrepreneurs. And, most great entrepreneurs are driven by doing the thing right. and they have to make the money in order to do the thing. Right. right? It's not that they do it in order to make In fact, this is good business advice for pretty much anybody because we get a lot of people who ask us these questions. One of the biggest mistakes people make is they say, I will do it for the money. If you say you'll do it for the money, you're not going to do it. Mm. Okay, you're not going right. to enjoy That's, it, you're, you're not going to oh, like right. it, and it's actually... And you're not going to The reason all of us here do the things that we do is because we have a sense of mission about it, and the money is a good byproduct that helps incentivize us to continue the mission, but it's not the reason that we do the thing. We don't do the thing for the money. And so for Elon, right, Elon has this very interesting sort of thesis. He's not a religious person, but there's sort of a, a quasi-religious justification what he's doing. He thinks that effectively speaking, the reason that, that so his, his sort of guidebook is Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? He talks very frequently about this. And the punchline of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is what's the meaning of the universe? And they put it in the machine, yeah. and the machine says 42. And, he say, and then it says, you're just asking the wrong questions, right? The punchline is you're just asking the wrong questions. The answer is 42. And so Elon's entire shtick is, that in his entire kind of way of thinking, is that the only way that we can actually discover the meaning of life is to ask the right questions. The only way that you can discover the right questions is to broaden out the number of humans right. and the number of places those humans are in. He kind of sees human beings, I would say, almost like neurons in a, in, a, in a giant brain almost. And so the idea is that if you expand human consciousness onto other planets, or you put humans in different places, and there are more humans, you have more kids, then you're actually going to be asking better questions about that. You may not like that. You may think that's stupid, but that's the thing that's actually but, driving and, it. But to
2: yeah. t- and to tie everything we've been talking about together to go back to Candice's point about the way men are built, one of the things that happens to men more much more powerfully than it does in women is that when we watch something, the same places in our brain light up as the person who's doing it. So when you and I watch football, we have the experience of playing football in our brains. So you don't have to not everybody has to go to Mars. If a 100 people go to Mars, we all go to Mars. And that's one of the things that's inspiring to men and they they see it and it gives it gives meaning to everything. I grew up in the time of the space age and it gave meaning to the world we all thought oh we're going we are going to the moon and we watched that guy walk on the moon and we all walked it, on it the is moon. an amazing
0: distinction between boys and girls by the way yeah right like right. I, I i have two boys and two girls and my it's oldest is super duper smart like yeah. reads it at high school level and all this kind of stuff but when she's talking about space it's not the same way as my seven-year-old son my seven-year-old son when he looks at videos of rockets or when he's watching like He will literally sit there and just watch documentaries about right. rockets because you can see him just absolutely light up mm. in a fundamentally different way. But my boys like it, this. Yeah, it, it's the it's amazing. They, they, it's they amazing. watch the
2: truck.
5: They watch when the truck. I'm like, dude, I don't want to look at the garbage <laughs> truck. <laughs> <laughs> Go find your they dad. Love, they love the garbage the, the truck. The freaking garbage they truck is gar- like... Oh, the garbage, I garbage truck. garbage man Isn't weird? is a hero.
4: I yeah. was thinking about this recently. The Landing on the moon was the last moment when the entire country watched something...
6: By pin- that was, that it was, was good. Like it was the, it was, of the, it was the last moment,
4: was the moment of era. national triumph. Has there been, like in my lifetime, I'm trying
0: to think of a hey, time. Hey, Travis, come on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> come for they kissed the party. And that. And and That's that.
5: why I realize <laughs> people are emotionally attached to the moon landing, but we'll save our debate for another <laughs> time. I know, But wait, right I, 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 I already had it out with Jeremy. But Wait, I want to say something very quickly because I want to add to this point that Ben is making and that we've all been making about the differences between men and women and men wanting to conquest and different things. I will ask you guys this question. Who are the top three most successful men in the world? throwing throw in names. Lib- all living? time or living? In the world. Living, I guess. Living. Living. Uh, me. <laughs> and you fail. <laughs> yeah. Elon Musk, Musk. certainly. Can. Okay. Yeah. Yes. You can't make the list yes. tonight. Correct.
2: Maybe Bezos.
5: Correct.
4: What do you mean su- successful? You, just, you,
5: just, th- you guys are on the right track. One, two. Yeah. Give me third. Cardinal Burke.
4: I don't know. You know <laughs> I guess I'm going down a different okay. track. Okay. Now,
5: Richard Branson. Great. Perfect. Three. Okay. Give me the top three most successful women in the world.
3: Hillary well, Clinton. sweet little Elisa. I it was question.
5: you. It's no, funny. yeah, go on. Give me, is it interesting? It's interesting. Watch what happens. Give me the top three most successful Ob- women in the Obra. world. Yes, go ahead. Our favorite uh, artist, Taylor Swift. Okay, Taylor yes. that's correct. Give me a third one. Hillary Rodham Clinton. <laughs> Stop. Give me a real third one. <laughs> 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 Give me I like a real one. that you accepted
3: everybody else's no, garbage answer. <laughs> no, governor, governor Stacey Abrams? Does she count? <laughs>
5: Give me a you know, third one. A, Come on. You've got Oprah, yeah. Taylor Swift. Carol Sandberg. Okay, great. So what's really fascinating, if you look Sexy at the list bread. of the most, like, success, if you ask them that question, they instantly <laughs> give you the, the richest men in the world. They're the richest men in the world. Yeah, Jeff, yeah. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, things that they've built. When you go to women, you instantly start naming what women are good at. Communication. Right. Taylor yeah. Swift yeah. is a singer. Emotion. Yeah. Oprah is a communicator. And when you look at the list of the, the most successful, like, richest people in the world, the only time women are on the list is because they've inherited wealth, inherited which it. is fascinating, except for one woman no one's ever heard her name, and she is the wealthiest self-earned billionaire in the world. And I can't even remember her name. She's in my Kardashian. book that I'm writing right now. <laughs> no, no. She's in my book. It's a Russian e-commerce billionaire, but nobody has ever heard her name because women are so not Svetlana. interested in that. Yeah, yes, yeah. that is her name. And that's, that's really— I just made that up. No, no. <laughs> like I think her name is literally Sabana. It's like something like that. It's a very Russian name. And the reason why I was writing this in the book is just to say that like what men and women are interested in is so different. Women decided on who was the most successful women because we listen to Taylor Swift, we listen to Oprah, and they've they've kind of been able to monetize femininity, like right. communication. Taylor Swift tells a story about a boy who broke her heart for the seventeenth time, and women are like swoon and amazing it's in, in its emotion. But when men are great, they're always they're always building.
3: I, I don't I don't mean to. Yeah, I'm it's, not it's to really sound Like Gandhi or something here. But I, truly, when you ask me that question, who's the most successful man in the world, or certainly the most successful woman in the world, I wouldn't have named any of those people because they're all super rich. I, w- I would not count money or... Like,
5: but Taylor Swift, and Oprah, actually, you're actually not anywhere near as rich as... No, certainly as not. Like a billion more.
3: dollars compared to 200 billion yeah. or whatever. But I, I really... A
2: successful man is not...
3: Successful. No, I would consider a successful man. Legi- I mean, I, I gave the answer of Cardinal Raymond Burke. Like, yeah. I, I actually believe that the most successful, I, I, you could not pay me to trade spots with Elon Musk. Like, I wouldn't do she didn't
5: it. it. She didn't ask. No, it I didn't important. ask if you would trade spots. I said but I want to be successful. <laughs> I said, yeah, the most successful. So you want to be a cardinal.
3: I Well, uh, my wife might right be, she, right she right might be. be happy, actually, if I became a cardinal. <laughs> but I, I just, I, I really don't, I don't know. <laughs> maybe the most maybe,
5: important. Don't worry. I, I said in my book, the average person would say Elon Musk, and we all know that you are exceptional. I've said it for years. I just really, like, it. it does
3: get into our heads a little bit that, success success is measured by money, and then women's success is measured by being most like men. That's what the whole culture says. I think probably the most successful women in the world are people we've never heard of, present company excluded. It's going to be like some housewife in the middle of nowhere who has the most happy, flourishing, wonderful life. That's important. That's different. Yeah, that's That's different. I I use
5: the word success and I asked you what your instant instinct is because it's just interesting that every person I've asked has said the same names. Like If you say a man, they go Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and it's because they've they have conquested in a way. Like The most know successful David's man talking?
4: is the one that has the most kids, but is still married to a <laughs> wife. So I guess I, I actually agree. So
1: I want to, w- we promised at the top of the show we we're going to take questions yes. from our Daily Wire Plus members. These are the people that make it possible for us to do a show like this where we just talk ad nauseum <laughs> about things that aren't even all that interesting to, to the average soul <laughs> out in the world. It's because of our Daily Wire Plus members. They're people who have come to us either because they love the shows, they love the content, what is a woman, Huge success, the, the company, murderer, huge success for the company, Convicting a murder. Huge success for the company. All of us were in Lady Ballers, which was the huge success uh, of the latter half of and last year. And a <laughs> masterpiece. Mm-hmm,
3: truly. Citizen Kane, uh, Lady Ballers, Godfather. Godfather 2. Godfather 2. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: but we're very grateful to our members, and so we want to hear from you guys. The first question is for Candace. Thank you for the amazing series, A Shot in the Dark. It's impacted the way that I make medical decisions for my child in a big way. Why did you decide to dive into the world of vaccines in the first place? And will you be covering other big pharma corruption outside of vaccines in the future?
5: I'm actually really happy you asked this question. The thing that I am most proud of that I do is actually a shot in the dark. And I am really going to push that show a lot this year. Um, The reason that I do the show is because I was vaccine injured by the Gardasil shot. Very traumatizing situation. Totally healthy. No problems. I was 20 years old. Saw the commercials, everyone should get the shot, doctor told me to get it, and I had basically a mini seizure in the room getting the shot. Um, Now they have added that you can get a seizure getting the shot, you know, and when I looked into the statistics and I thought to myself, why did I get the shot? Because they just did a commercial and said I should do it, doctor told me to get it. I actually know nothing about this shot other than a doctor said I should do it. And that's not really a good reason to have a seizure, right? Like, So when I did my research, I was shocked at what I discovered, which is that basically, effectively the lowest chance you have of getting any cancer as a woman is cervical cancer. We covered this in the episode. And I just realized that people are not making informed decisions. And I didn't do this series because I wanted every person to do what I did and not back their children. That's what I ultimately decided not to do. I wanted to do this series so that people could at least have a conversation with their doctor and know something and not be tethered by arbitrary fears as an example the tetanus shot. I had a doctor tweet me today. Oh, I'm going to be really excited when tetanus shots come back because when tetanus comes back because of Candace at its peak incidence in the United States in terms of cases, only 550 people in the United States were even getting tetanus. Forget dying from it, even getting it. Most parents don't know that. So it might change your mind about how severe it is for your kid to get 12 tetanus shots and whether or not the risks that they don't give you in the office, which all of them basically say you can have a seizure, is worth it. And I think it was just kind of special timing. I really, I pitched this hard to Jeremy and Caleb and it was unique timing because I, was doing this before the COVID stuff, and now there seems to be people that are interested in wanting to be more educated because so many people were injured. Some people got injured by the COVID vaccine, some people didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just want people to be informed, and obviously, as a mother now, I'm. I it's it's the most important topic to me.
1: Let me let me ask, um, Drew, do vaccine vaccinate your kids?
2: My kids? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the basic back- vaccines. Yeah, basic vaccines.
3: No. Even the, even
4: the st- like, TV? Anything? Uh, A couple
3: of them, but not, not yeah. all of them. Not all of them? We started to, like, one or two, and then didn't. Then we
0: stopped. Yes, but not, like, COVID.
1: No COVID vax for the shim- no. No. Kids. Oh kids? No no, 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 no.
5: And I feel like we could have never even said that five years ago. Like, you would just, hey, anti vax. we get all of them. But the truth is, is, like, when I was growing up, there was 12 that you had to get, and now it's 74. And that's a lot of vaccines. So we should be having this discussion and people should be able to say yes to some if they want to, no to some if they don't want to, and not have to wear you're an anti-vaxxer like a scarlet letter. Which, by the way, I am an anti-vaxxer and I wear it like a scarlet letter. I'm very (laughs) proud of myself. But I never encourage in this series. We've we've done really amazing work here um, with the Shot in the Dark series. We use only sources from like the CDC you know, NIH, above board. We're not on Reddit feeds, even though I am on Reddit feeds. That's not what we're giving you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just glad that moms are, are really responding to it and what feel about wonderful.
4: covering other uh, big pharma corruption. Yeah,
5: we actually just started the birth control series. I'm also radically against Let's birth go. control. Let's go. Now we're talking. Well, I've been pregnant yep. for three years. I'm um, just yep. kidding. Uh, I ha- no, I really haven't. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's not a joke. That's true. But that um, that's terrible. another thing. Women are, are now increasingly infertile. They don't know why and just thinking about, I only did birth control for a month and I just thought it was weird that everywhere i every time I went to the doctor, they were like, birth control. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you have a pimple. Birth control, 12 <laughs> like birth control, yeah. yeah. And now that they're passing laws that 12-year-olds can decide without their parents there, and you're not thinking about when you're 12 your fertility because you just think you're gonna live forever, or you don't care if you're gonna have kids. You're making decisions that right on the insert says, this can give you breast cancer, this can you know, impact your fertility. These are very serious things. Impact, you fall, impact
1: you fall who you fall. you fall in love with—that's
5: also a fact go. as well. You uh, you pursue more of effeminate men because it's tricking your brain. It's, it's It's a brain drug. It's tricking your brain. The hypothalamus region of thinking that you're pregnant. Do you really want a 12-year-old to think they're pregnant until they're 30 and they're ready to have kids? And you think that's not going to have any impact? Common sense tells you. Obviously, it's going to impact your body. So it's a you know we we've just shot six six episodes regarding birth control and we're going to keep going.
1: Let's see the next question, please. The next one after this one. Just scrub to the, whatever it is right there for Michael Benn. If Biden is ousted from office and Kamala becomes president, do you see her becoming the Democratic nominee or someone else, if someone else, who?
3: If Biden's ousted, meaning like impeached and convicted, that'll never happen. Like he dies right now. Like he dies or 25th Amendment or something. Yeah, the, the thing is they would probably have to, they wouldn't want to pick Kamala, but I don't see how they... <laughs> Well, if the Biden if Biden
1: were to die, God forbid, that's a, nobody wants to see that story play out that way. Um, they wouldn't have to do anything. She the Constitution the, yeah. makes her the president. But would she be the nominee? And if she were the president, she would be the nominee. One hundred percent.
3: I think there's no way that they they would they would try to oust her because they know she's a terrible politician. However, if
1: uh, I think if she were the president, they wouldn't even try to oust her. I do know that right now there is a move afoot to have her step down as vice president and to pay her. A five-year, $100 million deal uh, to to run a foundation for the next five years, so she would make $20 million a year. That's because they know that there is the possibility that Joe Biden won't be able to run for president. Maybe not likely, but certainly possible. And they know how deeply unpopular she is. And the Democrats are in a real bind because if they set aside Kamala for, say, Gavin Newsom, their entire coalition falls apart on them, which is why I I truly believe that there is a 25% chance that Michelle Obama's the next president. She doesn't want I it. I think she she's the, does it. not want it. She doesn't want it. But you say she doesn't want it. Everyone wants it. It's one thing to say she doesn't want it in a way that would cause her to run for president. I agree. Michelle Obama would never leave her cushy life of being universally beloved to run for president. But if Joe Biden is incapacitated and they need someone who can preempt Kamala Harris, which— can't be Gavin Newsom assuming that they can't get Kamala to step down by paying her off they have one option yes. and that option is to put the ring on the table in front of Michelle Obama and say you don't have to run for president but there's a it general. will be it will be unanimous consent at the at, the at the convention but there's a
3: general she's not going to want to be in that general
1: she will not run for president if they put the That's ring if they put the ring of power on the table and say unanimous uh, acclamation at the DNC she will never attend... So percentage is higher than... She will, she not will, she will never attend a single rally. Yeah. She'll, well, she'll yeah. maybe a few rallies. She'll never attend a debate. That's
0: correct. Certainly not.
3: She
1: right. will just sit back and wait to be elected, and we will, I believe we would not... If that were to happen, we would not be able to stop her. I
0: agree with that analysis.
5: Uh, listen... It's the, terrible. I hate that that's true, the, but that's what I believe. The, there's, I she would just say no. There's a I lot... That, I think they would go to her, but I think she would say no because her, she wants to have a private life now. There's Now they've released everything about her husband being a homo. It's a lot. It's
1: just a lot for her and her kids Plus, to go does through. Does America really need this? second we, do, black do we, we, no. no.
6: Thank you, Media Matters, for watching the show tonight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: for Ben, 2024, would you ever vote for an independent? Mm-hmm. I think this is an RFK Jr. question. I mean, so
0: it's... I would, just vote I would not for vote song. for RFK Jr. above Trump. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if the candidates are Trump, RFK Jr., and Biden, I'm voting Trump. Uh, if there were another independent who better represented my values... Or no West. Yeah, obviously. I <laughs> love yeah. yeah, exactly. It, it, I don't care about the party labels. I care about the ideology of the candidates who are, who are running for office. And the possibility and,
2: of is winning. though. Yes, yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, like throwing away your vote on somebody who's likely to degrade the vote of the person who I think would actually have a shot. Right. It's why I don't vote third party. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that the, the chances are really low. Ironically, I, I actually thought that the smartest thing during the Super Bowl was that RFK ad. I thought that RFK ad was yes. quite brilliant during right, the Super great, Bowl. Great. Um, even though I have no intent. To vote for him. I thought that what he was actively doing in that ad was effectively making a Make America Great Again argument. He was running a 1960, I mean, I knew that because I studied this stuff, I knew that ad immediately. Like, I knew that that was a Kennedy jingle. I knew it was from 1960. Like, I recognized all of it. I could sing along with it. So, but you don't have to. You can see the aesthetic of it was obviously a throwback to 1960. It was his face plastered above where his uncle's face once was, using all the imagery of a bright, sunny future for America And so he actively was basically saying, make America great again, but do it through me. And then the key was, vote independent. And the polls show Americans really hate both parties, like really, really, really hate both parties and do not like either of the main candidates for the presidency. I mean, Republicans, I think, are, I think we've convinced ourselves that Joe Biden has no shot at the presidency. And I think that's a wild supposition. Yeah, Joe Biden is a dead person, and he has a very good shot at the presidency. Mm -hmm. That does not mean that he's going to win. But it does mean that this is going to be a very, like right now, 86% 86% of Americans say that Joe Biden is too old to be president of the United States. And right now, in the Real Club Politics polling average, he is within a point and a half of Donald Trump. Yeah, That should not be happening. If you were running at 86%, 86% of people think he's dead, and he's still within a point and a half. Trump should be up on him 10 points at this point. And so what that says is that both parties are, are really dissatisfying the American people. And so if there were a sort of a, a more mainstream, independent candidate who just said, I'm running as an independent, I don't like you, if there." If Ross Perot were running this election cycle, he'd be president. (laughs) For
1: moi. I've been keeping up with the production diaries for the Pendragon cycle, and it looks so cool. Do you have a favorite memory from filming? I loved coming home. (laughs) 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 I can't speak highly enough about coming home. I was seven months last year, all told, in Europe. Six of them more or less contiguous with with the, the one exception of coming home from my grandfather's funeral and the Lady Ballers premiere, which happened to coincide. It was it was an amazing experience, uh, Italy and Hungary, both in their own unique ways, wonderful places, very uh, welcoming to us, the food, unbelievable. It was incredibly difficult. Uh, if I were to say, so, so coming home really was a wonderful thing. It was nice to be finished with it. But I will say that one of my favorite things about making the show... Obviously, our cast was. I mean, when you guys see the actors, you're just not going to believe how terrific they are. But my far and away favorite memory from the show. We were at this place called Fossanova Abbey, which is actually where Thomas Aquinas died, uh, and it's this this beautiful abbey south of Rome, in in these olive orchards. The whole the whole mountains covered in olive orchards, and. uh well, my first favorite memory is that for la- the day after Lady Ballers, I shaved because I had that silly um, uh, uh, Robert Downey Jr. goatee. And the next day, I got on a plane and flew straight to Rome where they picked me up from the airport and took me to Fossa Nova to scout it. And we scouted this abbey. And as I drug my almost dead carcass to the van, I hear someone say, is that Jeremy Boring? And it was a priest of the abbey uh, who was uh, of Argentine extraction uh, who who recognized me without my beard. And I just want to point out that when I got home uh, that night that I'd shaved my beard, my wife didn't recognize me (laughs) and almost shot me. So I couldn't, so of course it was very gratifying, but my favorite memory was being at the Abbey many months later shooting a scene in which uh, uh, 50 background actors had to sing this song that we had written for the episode. And we're in this beautiful 12th century church and 50 people raise up their voice in this vaulted, Cathedral type building, singing the song that we had in unison, like, of of a, of, deeply, of a deeply important part of, of Welsh lore. It was just one of those moments you'll never replicate in your entire life. Wow. Just hearing wow. that beautiful building filled with a melody and lyrics that you had that you had penned. Wow. It was just a phenomenal, a phenomenal moment. One that I'm sure I'll uh, treasure for however much longer I get to live. Which, if I keep making shows like the Pin Cycle, will be long. For Michael, we're going to take a couple more. What is your opinion of matchmaking? I met my current boyfriend. Yes, we're both Catholic. The matchmaking site, and we're planning on marrying next year. Do you think this could be a viable option for people who are serious about marriage and family values?
3: Totally. Uh, frankly, you asked me because I'm Catholic. Probably Ben is the better one to ask about this. Because uh, people ask about the online sites, and I say, I, I didn't do it. I just missed it. Uh, but that, uh, I'm not totally opposed to it. That's just how people date today. I don't think it's ideal. We're incarnate beings. I think it's better to meet in real life through flesh and blood relations, and it's a little mm-hmm. safer, and it's probably more conducive to happiness. But that's the way people date now. And so if you're going to do it, better to do it
0: in a very intentional way. Ben, I mean, are
1: you a yenta? Find me a fine? Catch me a catch? Uh, yeah, I've fixed up some
0: couples before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah really. I mean, the, I so, you know. so first of all, if you are in a community with a lot of other couples, this sort of stuff comes up pretty frequently. There'll be somebody who's single that you know, and then you ask your friends, like, so do you know anybody who's like around that age who might be a possible match, and it's something that in our community is really huge. Like we, like we really try to facilitate this because how else are people going to meet each other who are compatible values wise? I mean, like I, I, frankly, I think it's a great way to to. It's why I think single people should join churches specifically for this purpose, not just because there are singles events at the church, but because you're going to meet married people, and the married people have sisters and brothers. Yep. And those people are going to say, "I have a brother, I have a sister," and you really should meet that person. And that's how. The, I mean, that's how everybody used to meet, and that was a, that was a much better. Filtering mechanism than going to a bar or something.
5: I match made two people that are getting married this year, and also I played the youngest daughter in Fiddler on the Roof, so I got that reference. Tradition, <laughs> 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 yeah. You, you know, you, everyone well, needs well, a I played Rolf. Did you? Yeah, we would have oh gotten gosh, married if we were in the
1: same that is production.
5: That's so
3: crazy. <laughs> I played <laughs> Rolf in The Sound of Music, <laughs> which of is a different That's actually yeah, a relatively totally different But
2: well, <laughs> <a rematch.
3: laughs> no, You know, the, the other piece of advice, though, on this, that no one ever makes because no one gets married until they're like 55 now, it's fine. There's ways to do it. It's okay. Just get married. You'll have a good life. Young love is great. Young love is really good. I married my high school sweetheart, and it's I, I, you never hear this from conservatives. But if you're doing a sweet little high school dating thing, your entire culture is going to tell you you got to split up, you can never get married, don't marry your high school sweetheart, it's crazy. It's really great, actually, and in, I highly recommend it. In
1: fairness, your wife wouldn't, and anyone who'd, who had a chance to marry your high school sweetheart would have been lucky to have done so. Yes. But yeah. anyway, this question is for you. Why do you not seem to grasp, wow, this seems impressive. Wow. Oh, man, goodness. Why do you uh, not seem uh, to mm-hmm. grasp you that jerk. millennials were sold an American dream that doesn't exist anymore, and that's a bad thing in spite of some of the woke takes on it? Yeah, you boomer.
4: <laughs>
5: I love that, Mac It's an angry question. <laughs> <laughs> Why I, Has there ever been a single a angry
4: question? I'm yeah, back. Of course, it goes to me. Uh, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what. What did I say that's? The <laughs> I, I have a sense of this. Suggest uh, that talk. I don't grasp yeah.
1: they I you're a that, it's that. They say you They say that any time you see one of these videos of a millennial sort of lamenting their station, mm. you always have a kind of uh, get off your ass and go get, get off something. your ass. Oh yeah, yeah.
4: I mean, look, I I, I totally grasp uh, the the situation that that young people are in, that we're all in, that the economy is in bad shape. And I understand all that. I also understand that that working uh, is hard and that it's not fun. And, and especially if you're working like an office job where you don't really, you know, it, 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 to work is hard to work a job that you don't care about is even harder psychologically. Um, my only point is that, uh, okay, yes, that is all true. Now what? So now that we've agreed that the American dream is dead, everything is terrible, everything is awful, uh, we all got a bad deal, it, it, the world is a horrible place. Okay, good. We're all on the same page. What's the next step? What are you doing next? And my radical suggestion is that you can either lay down in a heap on the floor and cry yourself to sleep and wither away and die. Like that's one option. Or you can just get up and get back to work and deal with it because those are the only two possible options. And so, everyone who gives me one of these, frankly, bullshit uh, <laughs> questions, it's like, uh, I grasp it. But what is your other? No, you know what, bro? Don't raise your voice. It wasn't my question. Yeah, no, you don't. i the messenger.
3: What they'll say, what they'll well, say if, is, you're, you're right on the individual level, but that we can also address the political problem. Yes, we, we can. Hold on a second. We can address the political problem. Let's address it.
4: Fantastic. But tomorrow, you still have to wake up and do something, and, and that probably involves going to work, and you can go to work, right. and you can cry the whole time and whine about it, or you can make the best of your situation, and you can say, you know what you can say to yourself? You can say, you know what? Everyone else is crying about the fact they have to go to work. They're putting in minimal effort. They're, uh, they're, they're lamenting it. They have a bad attitude the whole time. I will take advantage of that situation yep. and I will be the one who is ambitious and has a goal and I'm in there. And even though I hate it, I'll put a smile on my face. You could climb above all these people. It's like when you go to the, um, every time you go to a fast food place these, these days, right? It, 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 it like, unless you go to Chick-fil-A, you go to a fast food place, it's, you feel bad when you walk in the door because they hate you for being there. The, the employees yeah. aggressively hate you just for walking in the door. and when the bar is that low, if you are a fast food employee, and I get it, I work these jobs, I hated it. But if you just show up on time, tuck your shirt in, you're yep. pleasant to the, to the customers that come in. If you just do that, you already are rising. Mm-hmm. You're, you're creaming the crop already. Right. Yep. And, and so my message is one of, uh, of, of like hope. I, I don't understand why people don't see that. <laughs> This is a hopeful message of take control <laughs> of the. Mr. the Hope baddest and thing ever. <laughs>
3: Mr. Hopefulness. It's this. Yes. It it's the
1: is. It is. Is it not? I totally did. It is.
4: It it is. Totally what, agree. what
1: am I missing? But this is, well, well, you missed one thing, which is that uh,
4: In-N-Out Burger also has friendly employees. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. But, but also, <laughs> and Arby's. Can I say one other thing. Another point I want to make is that whenever I talk about this, I get accused. People accuse me. Uh, well, he, you don't understand. You, you know, you're you were born with a silver spoon. Give me a break. Okay, I was I, I I grew up in a family of eight, very middle class. We lived in a in a in a four bedroom house with eight people. I'm not saying we were poor. We were not rich at all. You walked uphill I, in the
3: snow both ways. We did.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, I I worked all of these jobs. Yes. When I when I was I when I was 22 years old, I was making $17,000 a year. I was living in a one bedroom apartment that had roaches all over the place. I had a drug addict living you know next to me and below me. It was terrible. So I I get it. I do understand it, but. At a certain point, you have to say to yourself, this is the situation I'm in. I don't want to be in this situation anymore. What do I have to do to not be in it? Yeah. And then you set that goal for yourself and you
0: obsessively pursue it until you achieve it. And if it, right. takes, mm-hmm. if it takes a year, if it takes five years or 10 years. By the way, you're totally right. That stupid defense mechanism, which is that if you're successful now, it must have been that you were born with a yes. silver spoon, yeah. is so obnoxious and stupid. I mean, to take the example of Elon Musk again, Elon Musk was not like an emerald scion. That's not true. He was like dirt poor, and he came to Canada and was like driving around in a car with no money, and somehow like finagled his way into an apartment and a school. And, and mm. I mean, that's true for I think a, a huge number of us. I mean, I, I get, none by of the same, us? I, By the way, I get that. I get that same crap. I mean, I, I grew up in a your mom was house.
1: a movie producer. She. My mom
0: started off as an education major secretary at the lowest level of her company. And my dad was a musician in Hollywood, which does not make any money. Okay, let me be very clear about this. It's why I'm not a musician. It's because you cannot make money at that. I grew up in a two-bedroom household with four kids. There were six people in a two-bedroom household and one bathroom. It was 1,100 square feet in Burbank. We were like, you know, it's great. That's America. That's fine. That's not like living high on the hog. But the assumption in the United States is always, and I find it ugly, that if somebody succeeds financially, it's because they started off financially successful. And that's not true statistically speaking. It's really, really not true. A huge percentage of people who end up being rich did not start off rich. There is kind, it, something it, it kind it of loops funny. In,
4: it loops, sorry, I yeah. you yeah. It loops into the. I'm just. I'm heated because they were. I'm being challenged by the. Yeah, question. you boomer. Uh, it loops into the question of marriage too. Yes, it does. Happens with marriage. If you have a successful marriage, they say, well, you don't understand because you have a successful marriage. You're lucky. Well, don't, don't you understand that I understand more because I have a successful <laughs> yeah, marriage? Yeah. Don't you want to know how I managed to be married for twelve years and have six kids? Like, aren't you interested to know that? It's it, it's it's not an egotistical thing on my part. I, I want to tell you what goes into it. It's not easy, but it can be done. There's I kind think, of an irony. I
5: think in defense. Not in defense, because I actually 100% agree with you, but I also see, like when I see these videos of the girls crying on TikTok, I just go back to this matriarchy. And I feel, I do feel bad for them because the truth is, is that men are wired to do the same thing day in and day out in a way that women are not. And I think that a lot of these women go into... You come out of universities where you're forced, uh, I was forced to take a feminism 101 class. You've got culture booming at you that this is going to be so great when you get out and that this is going to be empowering. And then reality smacks women so hard because it's women that are cosplaying as men, right? So you're not the man that has to cosplay as a woman. It'd be like a society kept saying to you, Matt, just stay home and listen to cry baby, people, babies crying all day. Stay home. And then you get there, you suddenly realize, I'm not really wired to do this. So they're just kind of having their freakouts in real time of recognizing that they've been sold a bill of lies and like they would much rather absolutely, be living. That's absolutely the case. And so it's, it's men versus women. I do feel bad for them, but I also agree with you that crying on the internet about it and trauma dumping as they're yeah. calling the new trend is not going to fix your scenario, yeah. but you could get married younger and skip. You're,
4: you're 100% years. right in everything that you said. The only thing that I'll say though is that for a lot of these young women that are complaining, one of the things that they're complaining about is that they don't have enough free time and that they have to do a lot of work and it's very hard. And my point is that, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of them would be much happier if they just got married and had kids. But if you do that, guess what? You're going to have even less hard free time. But it's different. Time.
5: You're wired for it. True. Women are wired for it. So my, my, my True, and you but, probably might agree, but like when a baby cries, men, the way that they hear that, is a lot different than the way women hear it. Like Men are like, just make it stop. And women are like, I, <laughs> yeah, can, yeah. I want to go make this better.
4: All that is absolutely true. But my only point is that no matter what you do in life, it's going to come with work. Mm-hmm. To, to live is to work. Life is work. It always has been. People that try to blame it on capitalism, that's ridiculous, prior to the industrial age. Your whole life, you, you woke up at dawn, you were out on the farm, you came home yeah. when it was dark. You went to bed, you hardly had anything to eat. Like, it, there it, were more feast days, though. <laughs> there were more days... True, but, no, but, but there's, every... There's only every, leisure now. Yeah. Leisure right. was not a right. thing. Before. We have this expectation. This is one of the things built into these videos is that, well, they want to have a lot more free time. They want to have free time in a way that has never existed for the right. human race ever because free time for us means I want to spend hours every day doing nothing at all and having no responsibilities at all. And my only point is that that kind of thing has never existed for anyone that's right. not on the table right.
3: for most
0: people. My only... My, my,
3: I agree with... Basically everything that's been said. That's why God literally had to say, "Take a day off." Yeah, but, right. Right. I agree with everything yeah, that's said. Other than we used to have more feast days, we used to have more common goods, so we used to have more like nice cathedrals, so poor people could go see big, beautiful art and go participate. they in were a lot more liturgy poor, to be fair and they were they were,
0: they were super.
3: They were poor, poor. but were nice everyone everyone was a lot super. Poor. Everybody was a lot poor, but uh, so I agree with all of this stuff. However, all of us here, to your point, Matt. None of us grew up rich. With I guess, Drew, you grew up like a little bit but richer. More probably than the rest of wow. And then you chose you know, to be is. poor. You chose yeah, to I be the poorest I by becoming poor. a novelist. <laughs> we all, uh, you know, I, I talked to a buddy of mine the other day he was pretty <laughs> successful. And he said, I, I said, it's so crazy, man, because he handles some of my financial stuff. And he said, I said, it's so crazy, man. I went from making no money to Ben promised me my check is in the mail. So I'm telling you, you know, it's coming. So just wait for it. And he said, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you like me, like all of us basically worked for free for, like, years, you know? Oh, and yeah. now and now we make significantly more money. So I think there's something to that. Just, you know, grind really hard and have a vision of where you want to go and, and do all of that sort of stuff. But to quote the, the new leftists who are very successful at changing the culture, and maybe conservatives can learn from them, as Chris Rufo writes about in his new book... Uh, The fear is that if you merely accept those conditions that we all agree are terrible, the degradation of the family, the degradation of political order, it it dulls the revolutionary spirit. And so while we should do that and we should grind hard and get married and work hard and do all this stuff, we should also have an eye toward the political order and say, hey, you know, uh, Hungary says you don't have to pay taxes if you have more than three kids. That seems like a good way to encourage family. Hey, maybe we can have, maybe we can close our borders. Maybe we can do things that would improve the actual economic
2: now, but, conditions in the country. But what you're talking about is what Jordan has been talking about and why he's so successful and why he deserves that success is that he says, for, you know, make your bed, fix your fix your world. Your world has to, you have to fix your world before you do anything with the real world. Because if you, if you can't do yep. that, I mean, yep. these guys who, you know, throw tomato sauce on paintings because then that's going to save the climate. Have lost that simple idea that you have to start with yourself you just have to yep
5: but also it also just underscores the point i was making earlier about men and women defining success in a different way so i think if a man goes to work and he climbs the ladder it feels like success or like i can be the best at here but for women that sharing compassion is how they measure success and so even if you're you've got kids screaming around you all day you you feel like you've had a successful day Mm -hmm. and most of these women are at office jobs, and they're just realizing, I'm not, I don't feel successful at what I'm doing. And they're kind of, unfortunately, in the internet age, and they're crying online. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. I mean, you're right. They, what else are you going to do?
1: What I should do is wrap the show, but instead, I want to give Drew the last question, because oh. I've never done that a <laughs> single time. And because I actually think this is a question that, that matters going into 2024. Drew, the stress of politics—the crea- uh, stress that politics creates—is beginning to cause strife in my marriage. Hmm. Do you have any advice leading into 2024 to keep a healthy balance between being involved while also not letting it break our marriage apart? Sign, Jill Biden.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, yeah, first, I would take out the being involved with the politics. I mean, if, if you're having a problem with your marriage, get rid of as much of the politics as you can. Forget about it. Just take a walk, make love to your wife, or your husband, whoever you are. you know just just do the things that are marriage instead of the things that are politics because you can actually eliminate politics from your life and be perfectly happy without them in this world. It is difficult to do that. I acknowledge that, and so, if you have to talk about politics with your spouse, which is probably a mistake. Talk about principles. Don't talk about people. Don't talk about Trump did this and Biden did that. Talk about the things that you believe and why you believe them and discuss them in a loving, polite way. And then go have sex or, and take a walk because really the sex and the walk are much more important than who gets elected president.
1: I agree. And I, I would add one thing, which is have hope, have a sense yeah, of agency. Always. Have a belief that God unfolds history, not man. And I'll, I'll tell you something that's helped me is I my whole life we've said every presidential election is the most important election of our lifetimes. This is not the most important <laughs> election of our life. 2012 was the most important election of our lifetime, and we lost it. <laughs> and the work that's before us now, the work that we have to do because we lost 2012, is a generational work. And knowing that it's a generational work doesn't mean that we don't need to win this election. We do need to win it. We might not. That's not—we we have to just put one foot in front of the other, take the steps, cast the vote, do the things that you need to do, and know that hope lies right out there— I, uh, beyond this moment, that I we're have in. to make one last
2: point. I wish you would. When 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 I arrived here, I was the only hopeful person. Now you're all hopeful. My work here is done. <laughs> That's you a great. Drew's work it. here is done. That's a great are, note are to end now? on. <laughs> 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 Please don't go near
1: it's even cr- near any stairs. Yeah, really. <laughs> Thank you everybody for hanging out with us tonight. We will see you on the next Daily Wire backstage.
6: Did you know that mRNA vaccines are approved for use in pigs in the United States? Not to mention, 85% of the beef sold in your local grocery store is imported. In fact, over 5 billion pounds of meat was imported just last year. There's so much mystery surrounding our meat, which is why I'm so grateful for my Good Ranchers subscription. I know that I don't have to worry about imported meat or unknown vaccines in the food that I feed my family. Good Ranchers is saying MRNO to MRNA by offering a free 10-pound Easter ham with any subscription. Unlike the pork from the grocery store, Good Ranchers ham is guaranteed 100% free from MRNA vaccines. This is a $119 value, absolutely free with code DAILYWIRE. Go to GoodRanchers.com and say MRNO to MRNA by subscribing today. You have a right to know exactly what's in your food, and Good Ranchers is dedicated to protecting that right and providing your family with the best meat in America, free from any unknown and potentially harmful additives. Go to goodranchers.com and subscribe to any of their boxes and use code DailyWire at checkout. Every subscription will come with a free heritage ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers lifetime quality commitment. That's goodranchers.com code DailyWire. This show is brought to you by HelixSleep.com. Sleep is absolutely critical, especially as you get older. But no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find a mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has you covered. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix Midnight mattress because I want a medium firmness and a sleep on my side. So far, my new mattress is a godsend. Don't want to take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, you won't believe how well you sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is just a few clicks away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com dailywire and use code helixpartner20. That's helixsleep.com dailywire code helixpartner20.